pretty good idea. The, the yeah. kid had been watching old Iron Chef America episodes, and somebody had made duck au l'orange, and he thought it was the funniest thing. So he 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 came up with that suggestion. So we took the sea duck, we sprayed it orange, put some blue uh, blue highlights on it, and uh, I, with my vinyl cutter, I cut out little decals that say sea duck au l'orange on it. It's on there nice. in a couple of spots, and it's. Uh, it's it's pretty fun. We use it at our local field to drop little paratrooper guys, and my, my seven-year-old in particular loves to run around the field and catch them. and welcome back to the Aviation RC2 Podcast. My name is Joe. My name is Matt, and we have with us a special guest, uh, Brian Phillips, who's going to help us out with some history as well as just talking about the topic today. How you doing this evening, Brian? Doing good. Thanks for having me, guys. Good. Excellent. Uh, so this episode, 74, we'll be talking about Flight Fest prep, and then, yes, uh, Brian has uh, some history. He wrote in uh with a history segment uh, a number of weeks ago yeah and um he listened yeah. to our podcast he even listened he paid attention <laughs> to the stuff in the middle somewhere that's <laughs> awesome <laughs> yeah we had put in a request that uh hey if you can help if you have uh, knowledge of certain planes that you really love and you would love us to highlight us and and help us um you know kind of highlight that plane in our history segment you can kind of write up some ideas and either um, we'll reach out to you if you wanted to come on and maybe um, join us like Brian is today, or even if it's just uh, to have us read it and, and help us with that. That you know, We'll obviously let everybody know that you helped us out with it. It's, um, it's really cool, and I appreciate Brian for writing in. He wrote in a, a little while back, and we kind of looked through it, and we've been talking since he joined, so, uh, since joined our Discord. So anyway, uh, we're really excited that you're here, and we're glad that uh, you can join us today. Thanks. Now, before we go too far into it, Brian, uh, you had said that you were on another podcast in the past, if I remember correctly. I was, yeah, a couple of times. What podcast was that? Uh, so it's a podcast called Practically Tactical. Um, it's uh, it's focused around um, fire responsible firearms ownership and uh, and uh, training with firearms. Um, I had taken a few courses uh, with the the guys that run that podcast, and uh, we we had a good time um, going over the the classes that we took. Um, it was a it was a good time. It was a really good time. Very nice. Um, when, once we're all said and done, if you want to give us a link or uh, to the episode or the couple episodes you were on, we'd be happy to throw those in the show notes just for anybody who's interested in listening to. Uh, listening to you having been on there yeah more of your voice <laughs> okay all right well as per normal we're going to talk about some of the uh building and activities we've been into and then we'll get into some community events uh we'll let brian talk about the uh history segment for a little bit and then we'll get into the main topic 
Brian, do you want to kick us off? Tell us what you've been up to for the past couple weeks. Sure. So uh, one thing I've been working on is my uh, my Aviation RC Noob Wonder. Um, mine uh, mine didn't quite work out like everybody else's did. I had to I had to make a few tweaks. Um, but uh, that's coming together, uh, or has come together. It's uh, should be ready for a maiden here pretty soon. Um, it's a little different because I added some uh, wing extensions with uh, some downturn. A little. Um, I know we've talked about the uh, talked about the Prandtl D uh, history here before, uh, so um, I thought it would be fun to to see how it would work on a Noob Wonder. So uh, we'll we'll see it. Uh, so far, I've I've only done a glide test with it. I haven't flown it yet, but the glide test um, it performed very, very well. I was very pleased with how it how it uh, did. It was my my 11 year old son and I were out in the front yard tossing it back and forth and and having a good time cool. with it. So um, looking forward to flying. Go ahead. I'm sorry. What what were you hoping for it to do? And then how would you rate it as being like? Uh, what made you feel like it was a good success? The glide test. Yeah, or, the, the glide yeah. test. So for the, for, yeah, so for the glide test, uh, just main, uh, the main thing is making sure the CG is, is in the right place um, and that it'll uh, have a nice smooth glide have and, you know, not uh, pitch up or pitch down uh, strongly um, and uh, just just behave behave evenly uh, as you as you toss it and have a nice, uh, nice gentle glide down. And uh, and it and it and it did that. <laughs> Awesome. Yeah, so, that's a big that's so, a big thing. Now, next step is to see if it has that proverse yaw that we that I love so much. Absolutely. I'm looking looking forward to to flying it with a with that in with that in place. I'm hoping it it'll fly pretty locked in uh, with with that in in there. Assuming it works right. Assuming I uh, I made some uh, educated guesses as to exactly how it should be configured. So because it's not the same layout as uh, the actual Prandtl test aircraft that that, uh, that NASA put together so yeah different wing it's a straight wing it's not a it's not a uh, a proper wing it's got a, a elevator uh, and everything so it's uh, it's a little bit different but we'll see how she does mm -hmm. I'll, I'll mm -hmm. try to get video for everybody too if I can when I when I do it awesome so yeah good or bad in, uh, in addition to that uh, yeah oh yeah for sure uh, <laughs> in addition to that uh, uh, a little bit prior to that, I put together a um, a uh, flight test flurkin. Uh, only I decided to mess with that one too, and I put uh, motors out at the wingtips. Um, put 3D printed some wingtip pods and um, did a, a, a an initial attempt at a maiden and and made a mistake in uh, in my launch technique and and broke the the mounts the the wingtip pods so i had to reprint those it's been repaired and it's ready to go again as soon as my schedule and our weather coincide uh to get out and and fly it a little bit more and then uh what uh, now let me jump in for just a second was your mistake yep. the same mistake matt likes to make where he throws it directly into the dirt whoa 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 <laughs> i will say he, that i mean he's not wrong the same <laughs> I mean, the that's not my aim. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it's to not be, my to aim. To be fair, I didn't aim for the dirt either, but I hit it. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the thing about flying. You're always going to hit it one way or another eventually. Oh, let's hope it's yeah. in a rolling pass. Takeoffs <laughs> are optional, landings are man mandatory. That's Absolutely. right. That's right. 
yeah. yeah. Very cool. Uh, and then, <laughs> and then the most, the most recent thing, the last few days, um, I've been putting together a, uh, uh, the flight test new bloom, boom and flirkin. Okay. Uh, yeah. So they just released that, I think right? I, yeah. I think, uh, I caught it just, I caught the message that they had released it like two minutes after they put it up. So I, I might've even been the first person to order one. So, <laughs> oh, wow. Um, nice. I've just got, uh, I've just got to finish up the electronics on that, um, you know, and then and dial it in and then, uh, it'll be ready to go as well. Um, I'm actually really excited about that one. Uh, I love, uh, twins with differential thrust. Um, I find them very, very entertaining. Um, and I'm really looking forward to this one because I think it, uh, um, it adds some stuff to, I love the way the regular flurkin flies. And, um, mm-hmm. I think this, uh, I think this one's going to add some, uh, some really really cool uh flight characteristics if you don't mind uh giving away i guess some of the secrets that are in that i know the original one i didn't realize i don't don't know i wasn't thinking about it it doesn't really have a proper spar going through from wing to wing um is this follow that same pattern or did they revise that so it's a little bit stronger across the the wings so it's it's a the the bulk of the body is a standard flurkin the, the mm-hmm. vast majority of it. And then the booms are added on um, with the with the power okay. pods on the ends of the booms and then the tail right. added to the other end of the booms. So the spars are identical to the standard Flurkin. Um, they, okay, so there is no through a, spar. No through, I mean, it, there is a spar, but it's foam. It's multiple layers of foam. And okay. the, way, uh, the way it ties together with the trapezoid, the shape of the body, mm-hmm. uh, it, it very nicely transfers the load across um, as yeah. long as you have the upper, the upper structure is glued well to the, uh, the, la- the longerons inside, inside the fuselage. Okay. Um, I had, I had one that wasn't initially glued as well as it should have been and it popped. So the wings would flex on it. Yeah. Um, but I've, <laughs> right. I've since, I've since fixed that it, it flies fine, but the wings just flex a little bit. Mm-hmm. Now I'm okay. going to be a noob and have a noob moment. You just used a word I had not heard before. What is a longeron? Uh, yeah, I probably shouldn't have used that word because I, I can't clearly define it. Um, but usually my understanding of it has always been uh, sort of like a spar, but in the fuselage that goes along the length of the fuselage. Okay. Yeah, it, it's a stiffener now along I, the, I, the length of the, the plane. Yeah, I could be using the term incorrectly. Um, my day job, I'm in the auto industry, not in the aviation industry. So, <laughs> so the the definition from dictionary or Oxford Dictionary says the longitudinal structural component of an aircraft's fuselage. So okay. I'm at least close. Oh, you're. Yeah. It, it's all those. That's pretty yeah. much spot on. <laughs> spot on. Good work. So not yes. not unlike perhaps. Um, like fuselage doublers pretty close yeah yeah, yeah they are yeah. effectively a but it's, but it's more so. like a a rib uh like perpendicular to the surface rather than mm. parallel to the surface okay fair enough sorry to interrupt no worries no 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 problem all right uh so oh. it was uh did you do anything else beyond those did you fly anything Beyond the uh, no, I, flights, I've been I've been trying to get out to fly for uh, for a couple of months now, and uh, get thwarted every time. The when my schedule uh, when my schedule is open to go fly, um, uh, the weather is not cooperating. And then when the when the weather is perfect, 
then uh you know all the all the uh yeah. the other stuff uh gets in the way don't Ain't we that know the way it. of it yeah right just like yeah. uh, this past weekend we were we were playing uh, games together this Saturday, this past Saturday. Weather was picture perfect. I mean, the the wind was low relatively. The sun was shining. It was a beautiful day. Not too many clouds. We get to Sunday, and Sunday was gusting to like twenty eight miles an hour. <laughs> it was it was beautiful. Still a beautiful day, mm-hmm. but it was like oh I don't know it's a little 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 rough in the wind. And then we decided. Uh, we decided, you know, let's fly this thing anyway and see what we can do. <laughs> um, yeah. But we'll we'll talk about that in a second. Joe, speaking of, uh, what have you been up to in the last couple of weeks? I know I know some of it, but yeah. Well, I actually, real quick before we move on to me, I want to return to uh, Brian's Prandelt Wonder, uh, Prandelt N Wonder. You said, oh, Prandelt Noob. I see, but yeah, Prandelt I'm calling D it the Prandelt N because it's the Prandelt new wonder. N. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I haven't I haven't come up with a proper name for it, but so I'm open to suggestions like Prandle N or something. Or the like Prandle NW, maybe? Yeah, maybe. Um well cuz the Prandle M is the Mars one, right? Yeah. That's the M, yeah, yeah. So if we call it the NW or the N, um then it's the Prandle Noob. So with the wonder already being a bank and yank, what what benefit are you I mean Obviously, Proverse y'all, but is that is Proverse y'all terribly beneficial with this particular design? Given that it doesn't have a rudder, is just a straight up bank and yank. So, so on a on a bank and yank plane like that, um, if you don't have vertical surfaces uh, to to keep it tracking, um, you'll get the. I mean, you'll still get some. Uh, you're going to get some adverse yaw, but you just compensate for it by banking over harder and then and then pulling harder on the on the elevator you 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 just compensate for it with a with a additional input um in this case i should be able to turn nice and it it should it should be able to tuck into the turns a little bit nicer um i've noticed on some some wings i've i've flown in the past um that uh with with no vertical surface uh that are bank and yank if you if you really get aggressive with it, the adverse yaw will send it into a, a strange oscillation for a second, and it you you can usually correct it and get get back in, but um, but it doesn't it doesn't like it when you get too aggressive with it at once in a while. Mm-hmm. Um, I've I've stuck my combat wing into the ground a couple of times uh, by being too aggressive <laughs> uh, and having it kind of flutter out of the way on me. Um, but I'm I'm hoping to tie it in there and see how it does. And the, and the other aspect is it is if it's done right, and I don't know if mine's done right yet, um, but it should cut um, should cut the drag a decent bit. Um, and there is uh, um, you know it it could be a little bit quicker. I did put a flight test CPAC motor on it. Um, we'll we'll see how it does. That's what I'm, I'm putting in mine. Yeah. Yeah, CPAC with a 4S will make it go. Exactly. Exactly. And it's, I mean, it's a, it's an experiment, right? It's uh, it's all, it's all for entertainment and uh, just to, just to see what it does. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Learning, you know, you're learning kind of what you can do with that and what you maybe what it doesn't work so well with. If you get, anyway, we'll see. Uh, I'm eager to see what happens. I'm trying not to geek out on, on the specifics. Um, Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> I'm trying to very, well. very, very briefly. Well. 
very briefly for for some minor specifics the the wing extensions have uh, a minus 10 degree incidence from the main wing section okay. uh, mm -hmm. and four four uh, yeah minus 10 degrees down and then four degrees of dihedral i used okay. uh i printed some connect just really basic modeled up some really basic connectors and 3d printed them in tpu to tie the to tie them together okay a qu another quick question uh the airfoil is it symmetrical across or is it yes okay all right that yeah, that's all I'm, a... I'm gonna zip it and let you keep going <laughs> it's it's a it's a thinner version it's well it starts at the at the root or where it joins the main wing, it's the same, the same profile exactly, uh, and then I taper it down to the tip. Awesome, awesome. I'm again, I'm eager to see how it flies under power, um, to see if there's uh, there should be some prover show. I'm hoping. Um, I'm, I'm looking to see how it goes, and uh, if it does, <laughs> I will be building your prototype too. Um, whatever it is you kind of see looks good. I'm going to give it a try too, because I love the way the wonder flies. I love the way the noob wonder flies. It's spectacular. And so to have one um, that's a Prandtl noob wonder, that'd be phenomenal. Looking I've got, uh, I can, I can send you the cut file for the extra sheet. Oh yeah. Well, let me, let me follow that up then. Uh, when you go to fly it and you're looking, you're looking for that proverse y'all. So, when, when we're talking about the yaws, the adverse yaw, when you make a left-hand bank turn, the plane mm -hmm. wants to turn the the plane wants to yaw to the right out of the turn. Correct. Right. The nose the nose will want to walk out of the turn. Yeah. Right. Yeah, kind of. And so and Proverse uh, helps to uh, counteract that and keep your nose pointed in the direction that you're going. When you're or, or it will actually tuck into the turn. Okay. It's actually like a coordinated turn is what it looks like. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, it's, self, it's a self-coordinating turn. Mm -hmm. So having been on the ground and flow and we'll, I'll talk about more here in a few, but having flown Matt's noob wonder, um, you know, what, what are you looking for? Cause what are you looking for to say? Yeah, that's, that's giving it the proverse y'all. Cause what I just had up in there and maybe I don't have a ton of experience with banking yanks um or using my rudder in general um from the ground now when i did the when i did the uh sims and all i had to you know but i had gauges to help me with that so what are you looking for uh different from not having proverse y'all like how, how are you identifying that yes this is working that was a long way to ask I that mean... question <laughs> <laughs> uh, I will basically, when I, when I start to bank it, um, I will basically be looking for that nose to start yawing into the turn a little bit. Um, yeah. Yeah. I was going to say that that's what I saw with mine. It was a, the gentle turn. Um, so it wasn't steep enough where it started to slip, uh, through, uh, kind of like a knife edge where it slipped down unless mm -hmm. you give it something it basically just turn it a little bit. And with a bank and yank, you turned it a little bit. It'll just keep going straight, but at that angle, right? That's what the new wonderfly's like. So this will, when it turns that, it's going to take the outer wing and bring the nose into the turn. And as if you had a rudder in it, but there's no rudder. 
So it, okay. it'll it'll bring it around into a coordinated turn, which means you can do real awesome slow lazy circles and not have any additional um, any additional input from the rudder surfaces or or any control surfaces, which means you don't have additional drag from that. Okay. You you bank it over if you if you roll it up on its side or up at 45 degrees, it's not really going to do much of anything other than go straight at a 45 degree angle until you give it some elevator input to start pulling it into the turn. Yeah. Okay. yeah especially with the surfaces we have on the new wonder, <laughs> there's some pretty big, uh, uh, wingtip, you know, flats and the, and that tail feather really just kind of keeps it going in, in the same thing. It'll slide, it'll slip a little bit down, but generally speaking, it just kind of hangs, in that same direction until you yank it. Um, but yeah, with the, with the Prover Shaw, you'll turn the little bit and it'll start to, to make a coordinated turn and you haven't done anything, but, but wrote, uh, um, uh, roll it just okay. a little bit. And then, and then with, with that wing, that's what I noticed is on the original Prandtl that I built is it was only a, the, the little bits of roll, just a little bit of your, if you're not, you're doing it hard, it's not going to prover shaw really, not a whole lot. It'll act like any other kind of wing. You'll have to bank and yank to a degree. But if you do the gentle turn, it's going to start. That's where you're going to notice the, the provers. So it may, may affect like that. It may do something else. So I'm excited to see what happens. Okay. Oh, we got to talk more Brandle. Wait. <laughs> I'm so excited. Uh, he's not had his uh, his Prandtl wing fix for a while. So thank you. <sighs> I got I got to put that 6S in there and that smaller battery and then find it, find the new balance. Because what I, what I noticed was Here I was flying it on 3S. I was flying it on 3S, and it, it is flying at the stall speed. So if it doesn't have a headwind, it won't get up to speed when you launch it. Okay. I, needed, I needed to have either a 4S on it or a 6S or something where it actually have a lot more push um, to get it started. And I think that was the difficulty with it. I mean, it still gets in the air, and when it does, it's amazing. But getting it in the air is difficult. So, I'm again. I'm curious to see what all happens because it'll inform me. Uh, maybe I make a new one with some other design choices. I like the idea that it's one wing, and then at that seventy-five percent mark out, he's going, "Okay, we're going to do the Prover Shaw thing. <laughs> we're going to tilt it so it just does the thing. No transition, yeah, just do it." Yeah, which is my my, my transition is is some Blenderm tape. That's to cover <laughs> the gaps. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, cool. Yeah. Um, okay, Joe. Our, uh, Brian, did you cover all the things you did? Besides helping out I a bunch of noobs? Kinds, I, yeah, I do all kinds of random stuff. So, uh, yeah, the when I when I stuck that twin flurkin in that day, I also uh, smashed up a E flight Concendo Evo. So, jeez. Oh, um, that was a that was a rough day. So that was the one time I've gotten to, gotten out to fly in a in a couple of months and and. Uh, I caught a caught a tree with that concendo, and uh, cartwheeled it into the creek by our field. Oof! Were you laughing at the end of it? Was there a smile on your face, well, or was it more misery? And uh, that's a lot of glue I'm going to have to use. By the by, the end I was laughing. Uh, it took a bit of a high, uh, push through the brush to get there. Lots of brambles and stuff. So I had some. There was uh, there was some blood involved. <laughs> that means <laughs> to recover it. Nice. So, well, good. But that's that's about it. All right, Joe. Let's let's hear what you've been up to. I know you've been doing something. 
Yeah, so went up to your place for a weekend D&D this past weekend. Heck yeah. Um, and I had printed off um, uh, it was 11 by 18, 11 by 17 11 uh, by 17. Sheets. So I did the tile prints of the, the Noob Wonder. And so spent the build night getting those taped together. And uh, you showed me your Super 77 trick, which I'll talk about in a minute, to get it uh, onto the foam board and then cut the pieces out. So it was sort of a quiet night of just cutting parts out and watching uh, Amy uh, fiddle around with her, um, what was that, the Speedster? Yeah, it's a mini Speedster. Yeah. She was repairing um, her mini Speedster from my, my attempt at helping her fly, only to have it dump hard into the ground. So she fixed it I up. I know, that is, that's a neat looking little plane. It is. She did a good job with it. Um, and we just put a little bit of thrust angle in it so that hopefully that counteracts that downward tendency. So so that was very interesting watching her mind work and watching her try to figure out how to get that done. Mm-hmm. Because the she didn't want to rebuild the power pod. And her her thought was to move the barbecue skewer in the power pod not in the uh fuselage of the plane but in the power pod she didn't want her uh she had matt Matt had i guess uh or i guess the kit comes with exhaust pipes that are Mm -hmm. supposed to sit on top of the barbecue skewers and she didn't want those being yeah she didn't want those being crooked Mm -hmm. so they couldn't move holes in the fuselage they only move holes in the power pod Yep, Matt's showing them off there. Uh, which was fine, except that she, like, did this barbecue <laughs> skewer grid inside the power pod to get the power pod reinforcement. I don't know what she did. I, I don't know what she did, but she it was important that when the barbecue skewer shifted, that... There was a barbecue pi- skewer in the way. <laughs> the, 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 I guess, yeah. But but the, the power the the pipes were in the same position as they were when she started that repair. Right, and so the difficulty came because when she was trying to change where in the power pod the barbecue skewer went through, that way she could induce that thrust angle uh, by tilting the whole power pod. There was a barbecue skewer in the way. Yeah, she'd reinforce uh, the pod like crazy. So there was, it was interesting watching her mind work and watching her, you know, turn it over in her hands and try to figure out how to, you know, get around that problem. And ultimately, she ended up just going a little bit higher and going above the skewer. Yep. But having been the one sitting there at the bench for an hour, staring at a thing, trying to figure out, how am I going to do this? <laughs> it was nice to be on the ob- uh, observation side of that. Yeah. Um, yeah, like, okay, I'm not alone. I, other people do this. Yep. Nice. So the Noob Wonder is coming along. Um, I got a lot of work on it done today. Uh, in fact, Matt, I showed you a picture of it. Brian, you probably saw it in the... Uh, the Noob Wonder channel. Um, that looks darn right done, almost. Yeah, it's it it's close. getting there. It's getting there. I need to run the the linkages from the servos to control horns, and um, there's a couple more 
there's the battery hatch to glue on in the top plate and then secure the wings. I want to put, I want to see about trying to put the aura in there. Um, yep. so got to figure out how all that's going to mount and fit. Uh, I'll say for there being no plans, well, not no plans, no build video for it. And I know you're, you'll talk about that in a minute, but, mm -hmm. and I didn't go look for a, a forum build guide. I just started cutting parts and putting them together. It went mm -hmm. together fairly straightforward. Yeah, it's pretty much like puzzle pieces that have, well, this tab only fits here in this one slot. So mm -hmm. I guess it's oriented this way, which kudos to uh, kudos to Spons, Dan Spons, uh, for putting putting it together that way. That you, There really is only one way to really piece it together. So There is. My encouragement well, there would be to... Keep, keep a mental inventory of the various parts, especially some of like smaller and smaller parts, a fuselage parts. So as you're constructing, maybe kind of slap some pieces together before you glue them to see how they're going to fit all together and where, you know, plan how you're going to go about tackling that. Yeah. Dry fit um, it if you can. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Brian, I, you were I will tell you that. Sorry, I, I will tell you that there, there are a few ways that if you're not paying attention, there are a few ways to put it together incorrectly. Then quickly realize after the glue is set uh, or after you <laughs> cut something that it should have gone the other way. Uh, so if you look yeah. closely at mine, uh, in addition to the intentional modifications, there are a few accidental <laughs> modifications as well. Nice. Uh, nice. Um, which ones, if you don't mind, what pieces were the ones that kind of got, are they more the bridging between the, the sides? Hatch actually, okay, yeah. Cutting, I, cut, where to cut on the battery hatch? Yeah, that's was fair. probably the biggest one. Okay, I could see that because it's not uh, the way it's been done before on other planes that we've built. You know, it's I like it. It's, it's done well, but yeah, I could see getting that. Good yeah, thing. it it functions this the as intended the way I ended up doing it, but I'm I'm certain I've cut it cut it wrong but I, I love the way it works now that i once i once i realize you know where to cut it correctly mm -hmm. nice okay so you so you built a new one and it, it looks almost done to the point it's, where you're probably piecing electronics in it and making it look pretty yeah. prettier because it already looks good um yeah so that that's where some time's going to be invested i was honestly trying to get it done before six o'clock today or so so i could maybe mm -hmm. take it out and fly oh that would be nice you know electronics i didn't even get to the electronics and that was going to take forever um and then we had rainstorms roll through so no flying uh, today yeah. well that's a um, bummer and but then yeah, electronics are half the project aren't they oh yeah yeah absolutely <laughs> and then i started on the other spitfire i may be stepping away from the mic a little bit but i got the oh. other the other Spitfire I've started on. Oh, um, yeah. And so having a like better a feel. Yeah, this was our, our podcast one for last year. So hopefully I'll have this ready to go for Flight Fest so we can kind of do that again. And mm -hmm. um, I've had multiple pieces of foam that are important bits get heavily warped during the gluing process 
Um, so interesting. Well, so during the skinning process, I should say. Okay. So a year ago, when I was doing this, they got all warped, and the other Spitfire that I took to Flight Fest showed some of those tendencies. Mm-hmm. Uh, this one definitely warped up worse. Um, but I was very pleased to see that I could stack some, uh, things that I know that are definitely flat on a table that I know is definitely flat and throw some weight to them. Um, and they seem to be pressing out and holding, you know, a flat the shape. Flat shape. Yeah. Good. Right. So I've, I've had some weight on them for a few days. Uh, I want to be removing the weight from them as I move forward with the Spitfire and especially the horizontal stab, which was heavily twisted uh i'm hoping we'll maintain this straight shape that it's got now um so it doesn't induce bad tendencies um that's about it on the building front now when we were up there at your place um we did get to take the new wonder out which Mm -hmm. was a dream to fly and also i am extremely out of practice and scared on the controls. <laughs> He's like, Matt, I haven't, I haven't flown in a long time. Are you sure you want me to fly this? And I'm like, I just trimmed it out. So there's, you might need a little bit of left on occasion because it's slightly rolling to the right, but I know you can handle that. Go to it, buddy. You know? Oh, thanks for that vote of confidence. <laughs> no, no. I mean, I knew you'd, I knew you'd have it, but I mean, I was trying to get it to you so that it was like the way it should start. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just no inputs get you going straight. It uh, it, it especially flies with, like a dream, especially with the gusting that we had. We, I mean, it would it'd be like okay, it's about five miles an hour, maybe ten, and then also like oh, thirty. <laughs> okay, now we're back down to ten. It's like that is not an easy way to start uh, off the ground, you know, or, or on a hand launch. That that could be pretty rough. So, mm-hmm. you know, I just wanted to make you know. I knew you'd have it, and, and the thing flies like a dream, like you said. Go ahead, tell tell yeah. us more about your flight. It, I mean, it's a little. I think it's a little squirrely on on the hand launch. That was probably due a lot to the headwind, because mm-hmm. it wasn't really getting away from you as fast as you'd expect it to. And so, anyway, plus we were catching it directly at our sides. Yeah, it was a cross crosswind at that. We had a couple guys forming up at the end of the field, uh, doing some stuff, and so we had to. We are trying to launch at an angle across the runway, but you still like you're still getting hit from the side. So, like I said, it it handled it like a dream, um, and it flew great. Which I didn't do anything too crazy, but watching you fly, sir, was an absolute pleasure. Okay, so I, before we go, did you do anything with your flurkin? No. Okay. But seeing but one guess, in person, did that help? Sure. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> there's just enough things going on that need work on. But That's I okay, did yeah. finally get the nightstands uh, finished up. So uh, I have no major honeydew project that's sitting there that if I transition into working on an airplane uh, could be, well, you know, why aren't you working on that? So, um, that's nice. Flirkin is not, Joe, if the flirkin is not done for, at flight, by, by flight fest, I will sit you down at flight fest and sit with you until <laughs> the flirkin is completed 
so that you can go fly it. Can't do it if I don't bring it. We'll just get you one. <laughs> You'll build it right there. And then I'll force you to fly mine. Fly one of mine. Ah, uh, jeez. Okay. I think I'm up. To, I'm up to four. I'm up to four flirkins now. Wow. So it, okay. What What I find interesting is that a lot of people at Flight Fest last year were having a very hard time getting it in the air. Once they got it past the hand, the hand launch, it everybody's like this. This thing flies great. They loved it, right? And and I think I put a little bit bigger motor or or. I made sure I had a 4S on it or something like that, so that way it would have a lot more off-the-line off the go, so that way it get up to speed faster. And I think that made all the difference, because I never had an issue. And I think um, Kiax, uh, when he did his, he said the same thing. He had a little bit larger motor. as long, And you have to put, like, a 3300 three-seller or whatever in the front, because it needs a lot of nose weight to balance right, at least the original. Uh and and you need you need it has to balance right otherwise it's going to be it's not going to fly right. So he was kind of surprised at how much he had to put in there. But I remember him saying he's like, "But I had it set and once it was I had enough go, so I just punched it and it once it got going, it was awesome." Um and then he goes, you know, but but getting it off the line you need a, an extra oomph or somebody's got to really hook it. Really good technique to get in a flurkin go. Not to hijack you too much, Joe, uh, but there's a great technique for the flurkin. Um, you treat it, uh, treat it like a uh, discus launch glider. You do a wingtip, uh, a wingtip throw, where you where you just toss it. You and, straight uh, arm, you straight arm your your hand, grab it by the tip, and you basically rotate out. As a discus, and it yeah. it feels yeah, weird, like but when you release it, it's almost it's about level, uh -huh. and at that point, it's got enough speed, and usually you can go from there. Because yeah, you don't want your hand in, used to. you don't want your hand in front of that prop. No, no, it takes a little to get used to, but it is a really uh, excellent method, and once you get the hang of it, um, it uh, it works, it works every single time. And it doesn't, and it doesn't take a lot. That's actually what I messed up on the twin motor one, because that one's a significantly heavier and needed more of a toss. And I threw it like a regular flurk, and it just wasn't enough. Excellent. Yeah. Um. Last thing, because because I mentioned it a few minutes ago, and I don't want to forget it before we move on to yours. Um, your super seventy seven trick. For, yeah, putting, for, for putting plans on paper I will be or putting plans on foam I'll be honest I've you've kind of talked about it a number of times in the past for how you do it and I never paid too close of attention to what you were saying you were doing and I kind of did the the noob <laughs> uh, eye roll of uh, Matt's, <laughs> Matt's got to make something complicated um, that that's that's the trick, buddy. So was uh, it complicated? No. It's no. spray the foam with one light coat and then just start placing your pieces. Specifically, what we did was we, I taped all my, my tiles together. And what would have been better if I had done it where I could see, if if I had done a better job marking the, the edges of like where the corners of the pieces. So 
where basically where the corners of the foam board need to absolutely be to encompass mm-hmm. all the parts. So we we would lay the plans tiled together, face down on your pad on the back porch. Yep. And mark out, okay, here's a corner, here's a corner. We need to make sure that the foam board encompasses these marks so that mm-hmm. all the parts show up on the paper on the foam board. And then yeah, you took a rattle can of Super 77 and hit it with a light dusting and then we would you know, sticky side down onto the back of those plans and make sure that they covered and then once it was tacked, we would, you know, once you stuck it and pressed a little bit, you flip it over and then we would pull it back off in areas to just get all the bubbles and ripples out and make sure it was mostly flat and straight. Yep. And then start cutting parts out. And that was fantastically simple. And quick. Um, and quick. And beat the heck out of me tiling the plans together, cutting out the, ju- like, big... Individual pieces, yeah, making and loops. Then, and then fine cutting those parts out and then taping all that to the foam and then having to do all my because when I would do the 50% scores because I would have to mark those before I took before I cut the whole part out otherwise the the plan yep. then comes off the page. I was going through and putting little, little ticks yeah. yeah like I was sticking my knife down in each of the red perforation spots to, to mark out if you're going to do that I would say get one of those uh, pumpkin uh, the patterners for the okay. pumpkins yeah. and use one of those on the red lines. Cause that'll give you the pattern you're looking for. And it'll be a heck of a lot easier. <laughs> oh. I'm cheap. No, but, hey, but those are, those are, you can get them at the dollar store around Halloween. But having done it with the super 77 put on and then, yeah. you know, you can cut the whole part out and the plan stays stuck to the paper. So then you can go back mm-hmm. And do your score marks, and you know these are parts that need to be ultimately removed, and this, that. It and, way and the paper easier. comes off. The paper comes off afterwards. It's not permanently stuck. You're not putting the adhesive on both sides because it's a contact adhesive. Basically, if you put it on both sides and you let it cure or whatever it's happening, um, you let it tack up, and then you put them together and press it. It's supposed to stick for a long, long time, right? but I only do it on one side because I don't want it to stick forever. I just want a light coating to hold it until I've cut it. And it, it does, it's so much quicker. Mm. You know, it saves a lot of aggravation. So I'm glad you got a chance to try it out. Uh, and I'm glad you like it. I mean, look, it, it could be not your thing, but uh, I'm glad you enjoyed it. it. It worked well. The light coat being a key there. Yep. Um, yes. I can speak from experience that a heavy coat will ripple the paper. Uh, yeah. pretty, pretty significantly. Um, think about if you're spray painting the foam board, right? You do one light coat, almost like a misting, and then maybe you come back later with three or four of those. But, but the misting coat is the key because if you do any more than that, you're say goodbye to your model. You might as well have just ruined it. Um, and nobody really wants that. So you're doing the same kind of deal: quick mist and let it dry, let it do its thing. Um, yeah, I'm glad it worked out. Um, let's see. Oh, I, I have one more thing, and I can't remember it. So if it pops up, I'm gonna I'm gonna come back to it. Well, um, it's your turn anyway. So okay. Um, I'm trying to remember what it was that I wanted to talk to you about. Something. Oh, um, oh, 
that was it. When we had a chance to come back from one of the errands we were doing, we got a chance to stop at my favorite stomping ground for the hobby store. Went to oh, right. Hobby. What, what was your impression of the, uh, like, you know, traditional hobby store? It, that's what I see it as. It, um, it was very interesting to walk around and just see all the stuff. All the stuff that is... Whew. I mean, so the, there was plenty of planes and plane stuff, but there was also the crawlers and RC cars, and uh, he had the model train stuff in there, mm-hmm. which in the back trains are an expensive hobby. Um, <laughs> they can but be. they they also seem to retain their value as long as you keep them in good shape. So there's that. Um, but it was great to walk through and, and just to be able to see what one is. Um, cause yeah. I don't have anything like that in my area. Um, mm-hmm. you know, if I was doing something balsa related and I needed a specific piece, like he had the bins of certain size strips and chunks, or he had entire, you know, balsa blocks and, mm-hmm, and the um, monocoat to go over it later. Oh yeah. Monocoat and decal stuff and paint and, you know, all the, all kinds of wheels and, you know, which I know get being in business and dealing with other businesses. He had all the spectrum stuff. Um, yeah, he did. You know, which all is the horizon hobby stuff and a couple yeah. hangar nine and all that. You know, it's again, that's pretty typical. Most of the hobby stores that I know about, but um, yeah. All right. Well, good. But, I just wanted to kind of get your impression. Cause that was another thing we kind of did together and that was kind of fun. You got a chance to actually meet Alan. Um, you know, yeah, Alan dates back to what episode six or seven or so, if that. When, yeah, when you when you did a little interview with him and we spliced it in, so that was nice to finally put a face was, to him. He was our first interview. Mm-hmm. Yep. So very good. All right. Well, let me go through my stuff pretty quick because I would really like to get a chance to talk to Brian and hear his history about the F four Phantom. Um, I ended up putting together the almost all of the 300% noob wonder. I've got a couple things. That as thing piece is in, huge. Yeah. So we, so I had the fuse kind of done and ready for you, like before you got up there, but I didn't, and I was hoping to get the skin on the wing. So I had the, the, what are those? The box bars were done and ready. And I had glued on, I think the formers for the nose section and the tail section but I hadn't really got the wing skin to wrap around. So I was trying to figure out what that guy was going to do with that. And you guys were able to get there a little earlier than I was planning. I needed that. I was like, I need that hour. Surprise. To up. But, and I was like, oh, that's okay. We'll get it done. So during the build night, if you were there, you probably saw me putting together this wing, this monstrosity. And what I found was basically I, I, I marked out the edges of where the spar are and then the cross pieces I pulled the spar off, and then I put glue in down as fast as I could possibly go because it cools down so darn quick. And I put it down, and I put weights on it, and I put weights on the weights. I had like a 30-pound cat litter bag on top of, um, I think I have a, a scout, like one of the airplanes, you know, bind and fly kind of airplanes. And so it's a big square box that's kind of rigid, so I put it on the spar, and then I put the 30 pounds of cat litter on top of that. Hopefully I didn't damage the plane. I don't think I did. Um 
So yeah, um, so then I did that to the other. So those were attached to the bottom half. And then I glued underneath like two or three at a time of the back spars. I tilted it back down because those back wedges are, are pretty stiff. And then I held them one of the, like two or three at a time, pressed down and I worked my way across. And then I went to the front and where the lines were, I kind of ran it all the way up to the groove in the center. And then I folded the whole thing over and I held it tight and waited for you know a minute and a half or two minutes or whatever until the glue was solid. And then I could fold back the whole top half. And then I just glued the living daylights out of the top and just <laughs> went as fast. I think I went all the way to the spar and then I left the top of those triangle back halves. And it was mostly closed at that point. I only had like the top skin kind of lifted just a little away from the triangle. So mm -hmm. I kind of flipped it over, figure out where they were and sort of glued as best I could working from the inside to the out. Cause it was easier to kind of get, as you went out, it was easier to get the glue gun in, you know? Um, so it was easier to work more of it. So once I was done, all I had was that back seam and I kind of glued it there and pressed it and I taped it, you know, with some, um, painter's tape, tape or whatever, painter's tape or mask. I had masking yeah. tape. I couldn't find my painter's tape, but same idea. Um, and I held it and let it go. And I did the other half and then I got the two wings together and that, thank you, Brian, for talking, uh, connecting us with Lee, um, and making sure we had those carbon fiber spars on hand. So I put those two together and boy, oh boy, I didn't put the 30 pounds of cat litter in the center to double check the um, capability of acrobatic giant noob wonder. Um, <laughs> because I, I think I figured out that if the center of the fuselage weighs five pounds and with a six times factor safety for acrobatics, which is typically what's used, a 30 pound cat litter bag in the center would effectively be the same as the combat load uh, during flight. And that would guarantee that if, it, if that fits and that works on those wings, I'd be good to go. We could do all the things with that motor. That's a lot of weight. <laughs> I know. <laughs> That's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. Uh, so, so seeing it together. Right. And then, of course, I worked out the front, the spar, which is basically like a, you know, a U-shaped box, right? And then I inset an inner box, and then I put like this, um, like I had done with the spar, kind of had an inner inner strength box with uh, trussing that's around the outside of it, and then an outer skin kind of wrapped around the truss so that it's it spreads that weight across the whole surface of both the inner and outer boxes. So you mm -hmm. have two fairly rigid structures, but with the trussing, it completely uh, makes it a rigid non-torquing structure. So you don't have any twisting. And that was kind of the point. Like, I don't want it to twist. If we uh, uh, deflect a surface and the whole wing starts to twist, now you don't really have a predictable surface and we, we can run into big problems. And I'm not looking to have our airplane smash into the whole crowd at FlyFest. So at least not, not because the thing fell apart. I'd like it to be, uh, if it has to happen, I'd rather have it be for some sort of brownout or like, who knows what, but, um, and I don't want that to happen either. I want it to be solid and be able to fly mm. it like a dream. So I think we will. Uh, so I got that far. I was able to put the tail feathers, a horizontal stab and, and the fins on and kind of fit them on. They fit great. And I think something's, 
don't know if it's off, but I, I at least need to double up with the horizontal stabilizer and probably put a carbon fiber spar in there just for good measure. Um, and I'll probably just do um, braces for the fins. Um, and then all I got to do is control surfaces. And I think I'm ready to start putting that son of a gun. <sighs> start putting it all together. And then servos. You got to get some uh, some heavier duty servos, right? Oh, no, I already have them. We're ready. Oh, okay. Ready. You're already ready, on sir. that. We're ready. Um, I have 25 kilogram servos. Um, so those are the main ones. And I think we have lighter. I think they're, uh, I think we have lighter duty ones that should still work pretty well um, that we got from uh, our motor donor. Um, and they're about the same size. They're a little bit, I think they're a little bit lighter, but they should still work. Um, so I'm looking forward to putting them in and giving them a check. And I hope they don't fail. Like, I hope they don't get over torqued and quit because that would make it very, I feel like I should put in um, like emergency brake things so that if it starts going in a dive, you hit the button and it like butterflies open and it's just like, <laughs> it slows the whole thing down so you can you can yeah like a little parachute almost uh that was the other thing i thought about is if if it's really going bad that we have basically we build a small like a giant parachute but a small parachute that rockets out or whatever just like pops out and that way we can just cut everything and hit the button and the parachute pops out and it acts like a the private planes have the uh have the emergency parachutes basically um and have one for those planes. That way, if something gets in terrible trouble, we can at least have come have it come down in a hopefully safe manner. Um, so I'm considering that. I, I know that the plane can take the weight. I mean, as it is, it's like what is it? The the wing loading is half. It's like half a pound per square foot or something like that. It's it's way like a third as light as the lightest glider loading. You know, oh, when wow. you look at it. Yeah, it's it's stupid lightweight. So really, we may have a problem where it's too light. Um, I'm predicting that with our batteries, it will last. Uh, I think the motor sip like 40 amps, maybe. And at a five uh, amp hour battery, we could be up there for a while. Mm. Um, so we got that. Uh, I did build. I did put together the build video today. So I have another 100% noob wonder that is 100% ready to go. Da, Battery, da, da. motors, servos, everything's connected. It's all built. It's all done. It's ready to go. So I am I think I'm going to put some color on it that's going to set it up for Logan. Um, so we'll get that set up. And then, and then, of course, you and I got a chance to fly. And so I did the initial flight. I'll call it the, the second flight of the noob wonder. Uh, took it out again. I made the adjustments uh, that I knew I needed to do from last time. I sent it up to the air, and they weren't quite enough, but they were certainly a lot better than they were the first time. Uh, so I corrected for some of that. We brought it down. I made more adjustments, and it, I got it very close to flying, like just hands off, just let the sticks do the thing, and it should fly straight. But it kept rotating just a little bit to the right. So I didn't quite get it there, but it was really close. Um, so then I was basically it was checking also out the really th windy. It was windy. Like we said, it gusted like crazy. So um, I wanted to test, test the speed envelope. I wanted, you know, with the headwind that we had, you could almost go at a walk across the, you know, across the field if you're mm -hmm. going upwind. Um, and then, of course, you know, it's like, well, and, and the thing is, is 
I have um, a Sunny Sky 2220 motor that's 1140 uh, kV and it's a nine by six prop. So it's a pretty aggressive prop, um, and it's yeah, a pretty it <laughs> pretty strong motor. And I was running it on 4S, which is rated for. And I said, okay. And so we had four different size or three different sizes of 4S batteries. We had a 2200 4S, we had a 1300 4S, and we had a 3300 4S. And the CG is pretty much like dead over the, the CG marks. So the batteries get stuck in almost the same place, which is actually a really nice feature about the new Blunder. Um, and then I'm trying to think, what do we do? Um, so I punched it. We were flying around at like regular cruising speed at maybe 25% throttle, somewhere in there, which means I'm like, okay, well, let's see how fast. So I brought it up to 50 and then started speeding across. I'm like, oh, boy. And so I'm like, well, let me get the trim straight out. So once I got the trim, trim, I'm like, okay, let's see how this goes. So I, I crank it up to like 80 or 100, and I just reached straight up for the sky, and it just kept going, going, and going. I'm like, Unlimited I can vertical. I can go all day. And it was cruising, too. It wasn't like it was like slowly going up. It was it busting was moving. a move. Yeah. <laughs> It was going straight up. And then we basically cut the throttle. I'd lend it to a hammerhead, uh, come back down, and then we'd bring it down in. And the control surfaces never lost. And that's one of the things I like about this. Regular 9-gram servos, this thing was cruising. And at no point did we lose um, uh, the ability to control the control surfaces. You mm -hmm. know, it's not like we slowed it up for anything. Um, like, <laughs> like the Dragon, uh, the foam board Dragon. Where, where when we cranked it at 6S full throttle, we lost control of the <laughs> elevator. So we had to slow down to turn or to bank, you know, to, to you know, turn the elevator up. Um, I think I think we had to roll. That was what it was. It could, we could still get enough elevator to kind of get out of a, a dive, but we couldn't roll. So we had to, like, slow it down to roll. It's great. Point in the direction and crank it. Um, so it had a lot of that. And it, it I mean, we went full tilt across the field. If it weren't so gusty... Um, at one point, I did skim the grass, um, <laughs> but, I, you know, I, I was afraid to get too much lower than about like 10 feet off the deck because, you know, a gust stops and all of a sudden you're you're eating dirt. Um, so, yeah, we just had a lot of fun. I, it was really fun to just spend time with you at the flight line. I know Amy was there with us and, and the kids, the kids didn't care. Um, and then we had a nice little treat. Like once we were done, we kind of brought it in. We tried the the, the medium-sized battery, then the small one, um, and then we tried a big battery. I don't think the new Wonder performed any differently in any of those battery configurations. Like, it could take it and keep going. Yeah. You know, so that was pretty cool. Um, and then the last little bit is, like, as we were leaving, um, we had one of the guys, we just went to an air show to see the 3D Acrobat acrobatics, and then, of course, there's one of the guys who's putting together his 3D plane, and, of course, he's been flying since he was, like, four. So... He just busted out and did all the things. They were like, holy cow, that guy's talented. He just had a good time with it, and it was nice to see, even in the gusty wind, you know? So, yeah. Well, anyway, um, so, yeah, we had a good time. This was a pretty good uh, week, uh, mm. weekend, for sure. Um, let's let's move on, because I, I, I don't want to take up all night of, of Brian's night. It's getting starting to get late, and I know Brian would like to probably go to sleep at some point. Um, I do want to remind everybody our next build event is May 26th at 8 p.m. on our Discord server. We have a link to that. We also have an invite to our link in our show notes, so make sure to go check that out. Be part of our community. Brian, you you joined us not too long ago. Um, what, what's your impression 
guess? Of the the Discord server. The Discord of the Discord server in in general. Um, I really enjoy it. It's a it's a fun place to be with a lot of like-minded people, uh, people that enjoy the hobby and and aircraft in general. Um, it's fun to see what what everybody else is doing. It's fun to you know throw out silly things and and uh, have fun. It's uh, I've 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 found that I really enjoy it. Excellent. Yeah, you you definitely seem to. Take a like. I know you've joined us on a couple of build nights too. Um, what did you think the build nights were going to be versus what you ended up seeing? Um, it was pretty much exactly what I expected. Um, <laughs> it just uh, just people chatting as they're putting stuff together. Um, I uh, I didn't have a lot of expectations. Um, just a kind of a you know, community and, and everybody asks, you know, questions come up and somebody says, oh, I, hey, I got this new thing, uh, you know, a new flight controller and, and three people jump in. Oh, yeah, tell me tell me about it because uh, I was thinking about getting one myself uh, or, mm-hmm. you know, whatever, whatever the thing is, right? And uh, whatever new thing that they've discovered or, or learned about in the process. And it's really, it's really fun to see everybody sharing that, that community sharing of, uh, of ideas and, and things that they've stumbled across in their their hobby journey yeah excellent well good i appreciate that um i just know that you you know you kind of stumbled onto it not too long ago and the impressions are fresh um obviously we had a chance to talk prandle wing and that made me happy so <laughs> uh, always good but stuff it, uh, i didn't know i didn't know a lot about it the first time we talked about it and uh it uh it definitely piqued my interest uh in much the same way it has done for seemingly a while for you. Um, oh, yeah. I, I, found since... it, I found it very fascinating. Yeah. Hey, did you go back and listen to the episodes with Red Jensen? I sure did. Okay. I sure did. Excellent. And I and I went and listened to a whole lot of uh, um, talks that uh, Albion Bowers uh, had, has done over the years that are on yeah. YouTube and other places. Um, yeah, s- and, uh, yeah. So grateful for those, too. Perfect. Okay, well then, I guess now we're back. Uh, we're at the point where we start talking about our history, but this is going to be your boat. So I'd love to hear from you. Let's t- let's learn about the F four Phantom, right? Very what can cool. You tell us. What you, can you tell us, Brian? So I'm not a historian, um, and I'm not, not not an aviation uh, expert or anything. Um, just uh, just a guy that loves airplanes, um, and uh, the F four. Phantom is uh, is one of those uh, key planes in at least in American history, but certainly other other countries around the world. Um, just the basics of it. I mean, it's a it's a two seat twin engine multi role fighter. Uh, it was built by McDonnell Aircraft later later turned into McDonnell Douglas. Um, it was uh, it's been off operated by um, pretty much all, all the combat branches of the U.S. military and. Uh, uh, the, the Air Force, Navy, the Marines, and at least at least uh, 11 other countries. Um, and uh, there's been over 25 different versions of the jet. I mean, this this thing has been everywhere. Um, it's uh, it's served tons of different roles over uh, over its life. Um, uh, there was over 5,000 of them built, um, and uh, I, I think it first went into service in 19. 1954, I think, is when the first one flew. Yeah, it was, uh, and it was they were, shortly after World War II, I think. Um, yeah, sh- after Korea. 
just a little bit after Korea. Okay, right. Um, and it was a very late Generation 2 jet and um, and rolled in and was a Gen 3, uh, considered a Gen, Gen 3 jet. Um, but it served uh, it, uh, in Japan. Uh, it served all the way up until 2021. Um, so they've been flying. They've been flying for a long time. Um, it's um, if if you've seen a Phantom, if you know if you know aviation at all, if you've seen a Phantom, you, it's unmistakable. Uh, it's a very very distinctive shape. It's got these big box inlets on either side of the cockpit, uh, the two seat cockpit. It's got a flat low wing. If you look at the bottom of the aircraft, it's perfectly flat all the way, all the way across the midsection midsection of the airplane. And then the uh, the wingtips have a, a pretty pronounced dihedral, uh, which is uh, uncommon for combat jets. Yeah. Uh, and then and then even stranger visually, uh, the uh, the tail, the horizontal tail, is not horizontal. It's it, there's a significant amount of anhedral, so it's t- tilted down downwards, um, kind of shrouding the exhaust from the the, the twin uh, J79 turbofans, which are, it's got two of the same engine that the F-104 Starfighter had. Um, oh, which is, man. Which is pretty, it's pretty significant. Um, that the, that uh, means one of two things. Either it goes crazy fast or it's crazy heavy or both. <laughs> uh, it's, yeah, it's a little of both. In its, in its early days, uh, like from 59 to 62, uh, the early the early models um, just absolutely obliterated 16 different speed uh, and time to altitude records. Um, wow! And most of them weren't touched until the F-15. They they in with the F-15 in 1975 they made a concerted effort to go out and break records with it, um, mm-hmm. and they and they and they really did. Um, uh, that project was called Streak Eagle. If anybody wants to to go dig into that, or maybe we'll touch on it on a future history uh, point Ooh. or uh, topic. Um, but yeah, the, the Phantom. Wink, wink. <laughs> yeah, the 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 Phantom was definitely um, the the muscle car of its day, uh, the equivalent of a muscle car. Um, it 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 could. There were so many different roles that they put it into. Uh, it was an air-to-air fighter, air-to-air, air-to-ground. Um, had a ton of different bombs that it could drop. Um, it was in the in the days of the missiles when um, when the the U.S. government uh, or the U.S. military decided that the missiles were going to be the way of the way of air combat going forward, and that. They were very dependent on the missiles, so the F-4 initially had no cannon, no gun mounted to it. Um, and they then they were saddled with some very strange uh, restrictions on, on how they could engage in combat over Vietnam. And uh, the Phantoms were not effective at all, or, very, or not, very, not nearly as effective as they should have been because they couldn't use the missiles uh, the way they were intended. Um, and so... Starting with the F-4E Phantom, um, they put a the M61 Vulcan Gatling gun, which was later u- or used in many many other fighters before and after. It's a mm-hmm. that's a 20 millimeter Gatling gun uh, that shoots oh, 6,000 rounds a minute. It's just insane. It's uh, ridiculous. It um, it's very important because if you have uh, if you have an aircraft crossing, you know if you, you if someone's crossing your path and you only have a 
a fraction of a second to get rounds on target the uh, you, you you need to have that rate of fire in order to get one or two rounds to hit to hit your to hit the target so it's very important but uh, the air-to-air -air victories went up notably uh, once the the cannon was refitted back to the f4 um, uh, I'll say um, one of the really interesting roles that the f4 had um, it wasn't the first one to do this uh, but it was the most prolific over time and it and it uh, continued to do this through Vietnam and even into the Gulf War um, in the in the early 90s, uh, but it's called Wild Weasel, um, and I, I don't know how they got people to sign up, pilots to sign up to do this job, <laughs> but uh, basically they would go out and they would troll for uh, air, uh, ground to air missiles, uh, surface to air missiles, the the SAM missiles. They would go yeah. out and they would just advertise to everybody. Anybody and everybody, hey, we're here. Come on, I dare you to shoot at us. I dare you to shoot at us. Uh, <laughs> and they were, um, they would carry these missiles. Uh, initially, they were Shrike missiles, and then later they, um, uh, they got a, in a more advanced version called a Harm, uh, high-speed anti-radiation mm -hmm. missile. Uh, and those would basically seek the radar for the surface-to-air missiles. So they would wait till these. So these SAM sites would flip on their radar, turn in on them, and and fire these strike and and uh, or or harm missiles later, uh, and and try to try down a knock try to knock out as many of these uh, SAM sites as possible to protect the rest of a strike package that would be coming in a bunch of uh, right. you know a bunch of fighter bombers or something. Yeah, uh, open up the airway for for um, an attack. Absolutely. <clears throat> Absolutely, yeah. and yeah, in Vietnam would have been A6 intruders or F105 Thunder Chiefs or, or or something like that to come in and uh, come in or more F4 Phantoms with with uh, bomb loads mm -hmm. uh, to keep them out of there. And uh, one of the interesting facts about the Shrike in particular um, was when these got when they would go out at night, the the Shrike uh, the rocket motor on that missile had a ton of phosphorus in it. Um, and I don't know the reason why, um, but what I, I do know it was notorious for uh, if if the pilot would accidentally look off to that side of the aircraft as they were firing it, uh, <laughs> they would be blinded for a, a period of time. Uh, I was going to say that, that to get burns, their night vision back. That burns crazy bright. Yeah, yeah, it's it, they were incredibly bright, and it was it was kind of notorious for it. Um, but uh, it was really really fascinating role um, they had. Um, the uh, another interesting uh, story was um, that uh, that I had heard about some some years ago that uh, in uh, over Vietnam there was a uh, an F four pilot uh, Captain uh, Bob Pardo was kind of this kind of notorious for this this uh, story um, he and uh, his wingman uh, whose whose name I don't have off the top of my head um, but they had. Um, been shot with some anti-aircraft fire uh, while they were over target over over the north over North Vietnam somewhere somewhere like 60 miles north of Hanoi, and um, they realized they were losing an awful lot of fuel, uh, and their wingman was losing even more fuel, and they were trying to figure out a way to get the aircrafts the both aircraft as far as they could back over the border, so that they you know they wouldn't be captured and become POWs if they ejected over enemy territory. Um, and, uh, 
the uh, the wingman realized that he was just almost out of gas and he wasn't going to be able to get anywhere. And they they were trying to figure it out for the longest time. And eventually, what they came up with is they had they had him drop his tail hook, uh, you know, like for landing on carriers or on on a, on a, mm-hmm. on a bad runway. Uh, so they dropped the tail hook, not the gear, but just the tail hook. And uh, Pardo's F4 came up right up behind him, tucked up behind him, and jammed the other plane's tail hook into his uh, into the base of the windshield, the base of the windshield on his on his aircraft. And was he that, shoved him. Did that have a? Where was the refueling? Was that kind of where it refueled, or? Um no. Uh, I'm trying to remember where the refueling port, I believe on the Phantom, the refueling port's on the back, uh, behind okay. the rear, rear cockpit. Um, okay. So but it was over at, behind all the, it was at the pilot. base of the windshield. Yeah. So, oh, crazy. so it's a, that's a real strong point of the, the front of the aircraft, the radar, the, the very nose cone is usually fiberglass or something like that. Something that's mm-hmm. transparent to radar. And so there's some structure right there at the base of that windshield. So he tucked right up against that tail hook and pushed him for uh, something close to 90 miles uh, wow. and to get them back over the border uh, into, into safer territory. Um, it's, it's amazing. And there's, there's kind of a, a famous, um, uh, someone did a painting of it years ago. Uh, and it's, you can see the two phantoms with, with, you know, the tail hook jammed up against the, the nose on, on one of them. It's, uh, it's, it's a pretty great story. Um, uh, one other, uh, another really cool thing about the Phantom is uh, it's the only aircraft uh, that both the Blue Angels, the U.S. Navy Blue Angels, and the U.S. Air Force Thunderbirds have flown uh, the same aircraft, and they were flying them at, for the at the same time for uh, for quite a number of years through the late '50s and into the early '60s. Uh, excuse me, the late '60s and into the early '70s. Apologies. Right. Um, Somebody's somebody's in their car going, "Hey, come on, what the heck?" Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. So, hey, if um, you are, you can you can send your com- uh, complaints to Joe complaints to... at aviationrcnoob.com. Whoa, now, perfect, <laughs> perfect. Yeah, no, um, hey, Joe. In, in case you didn't see, I put the an example of this in the chat chat window there, so you can see the push. Oh, I was just linking a picture of the push into our uh, show notes. Nice. Good idea. <laughs> Perfect. Good call. Go ahead. Anyway, keep going. Um, this is interesting. Yeah, and I just just to touch on a couple of the uh, the basic specs on it. Um, it's about it's 63 feet long, um, about 38 and a half foot wingspan. Um, those outer wing panels with the dihedral, um, uh, they fold up uh, for mainly for for the Navy versions uh, for carrier space on a carrier deck. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, in- interesting note, there's a, at least one case, maybe a couple of them, uh, of pilots accidentally taking off with the wingtips folded and still successfully flying around and, and being okay. Okay. Um, yeah. And empty, they weigh about 30,000 pounds. Uh, max takeoff weight is more than double that at about 62,000 pounds, which is insane. That's an insane operating load. Um, the, those we talked about those GE the J the J seventy nine jets uh, jet engines, um, they make each make about eleven thousand pounds of thrust and mill power, and that bumps up to about eighteen thousand pounds of thrust with afterburner. Uh, so 
especially for the time when that was new, um, that's uh, that's just that's muscle. Um, the uh, and those the J seventy nine it was a slightly different version, but they use if anyone's familiar with the F one hundred four Starfighter, it was the mm-hmm. it was the same basic uh, engine family that was used in the F-104, but only a single one, and that was a Mach 2 fighter. Um, right, yeah. It was one of the first uh, ones of its time. As a matter of fact, I was at the museum. They had yeah. an example of one out in uh, Boise, Idaho, and he said they, they've actually put um, a protector over the wing uh, front edge, leading edge, because people cut themselves on on how sharp that is. Yeah, yeah, uh, a local museum has one of those um, F-104s, and it's just amazing to look. And the, the wings are just yeah. tiny. It is yeah. it is made for speed. <laughs> yeah, it sure um, is. So, so how fast did uh, these you know, go? We, yeah, so they see the, uh, the Phantoms topped out around Mach 2.2. Um, they didn't often get up to that speed, um, but, but they were capable of it. Um, they had a thrust-to-weight ratio. I know we always talk about that when we're building the, our small planes. Um, mm-hmm. it was, uh, about 0.86. So it wasn't quite, it wasn't up to one to one, but it was among the highest of, of the uh, jets for its day. Um, okay. and the, uh, the normal ceiling, it could get up to about 60,000 feet. Um, that's pretty high. Missiles, uh, yeah, the ar- armament, it was mainly for air to air. It was mainly the sidewinder aim nine sidewinder, the early variants of the sidewinder. Mm-hmm. Um, as well as the AIM-7 Sparrow, uh, which is an early uh, mid-range, uh, uh, mid-range uh, radar mis- uh, radar-seeking missile. And then with the E-model, they brought that uh, Vulcan cannon, the M-61 Vulcan. Uh, they put that into it, which really made a difference in the air-to-air combat, especially given the rules that they had to follow uh, for engagement. And then air-to-ground, it could carry darn near anything that (laughs) anything that was available um all sorts of different free fall bombs air to ground missiles like the maverick and then the anti-radar missiles that we talked about a minute ago awesome sounds sounds like a pretty varied uh armament regiment yeah it could it could do just about anything i mean and and it did i mean there was reconnaissance variants the air show variants we talked about with the blue angels and the thunderbirds there was, they were used as target drones later uh, when they didn't know what else to, to use them for. Um, wow. <laughs> uh, yeah, all, all kinds of stuff. Um, just a really varied history. It's a, uh, the, it was the workhorse, the workhorse of the, the U.S. military um, for both the Navy and the Air Force and even the Marines a little bit uh, for, for decades. And then... You'd see the same sort of thing happen with the F-16 after that, and even in, into today, where that that jet, the F-16, starts to see the same kind of widespread use for all different roles. Uh, and then we see the the Air Force and the Navy starting starting to transition that again to towards the F-35. Awesome. So, That's that. That is some. That's a lot. Yeah, <laughs> and I and I've barely and I feel like I've barely scratched the surface. I'm I'm it's there's just so much uh there's just so much with it. Um it's really fascinating to me but to me at least obviously. <laughs> no, it it's and honestly it's one of the more striking airplanes. Uh Flyfest has an incredible um, master series build that 
um, that has been put together uh, that you can buy a kit for. Uh, it's relatively expensive. You can pretty much buy a you buy one that you can build together, or you could probably buy um, honestly a ready to fly kind of foam. You know uh, what is it, injection mold foam? Um, one for almost about the same, but I mean they're it's a beautiful bird. It it definitely makes a, an impact on the sky. Yeah, and the and the uh, the flight test uh, master series one that uh, I believe it's a John Overstreet design. It um, is. It's uh, uh, very very faithful. Uh, it it looks fant- absolutely fantastic. I think it's a twin seventy millimeter EDF. Um, mm-hmm. To get to to touch anything like that in a in an, in a uh, pre molded foam, um, I think you're I think you're significantly going to pay significantly more. Yeah, yeah, you you probably will. You have to have the the full full build out, but um, yeah, it's it's definitely something worth looking at. Look look at the build video that they have. Um, it's pretty involved for sure, um, but I mean the the build is looks like it's built like a brick house. So um, yeah, that explains not it. a simple build, not no, a simple it, build, not it's, your first, second, or third build. <laughs> yeah, yeah it's, it's a challenge. Yeah, but it's cool. It, it looks like it's worth it. Um, I've also put a link to it in our show notes down below um, or wherever the show notes are for you to find. I've also put a link to um, a, a balsa model, balsa version. Although it's set up as a glow, I'm sure you could probably find an equivalent EDF um, uh, that you could put in it at this point. Um, probably using a similar um, power pack as the the one uh, set out for flight test. Uh, because they're about the same wingspan, I think they're about the same weight or close to it. Um, so you can look at that and then see which one you'd like to build. I know some people really enjoy building out of balsa or other materials, and then others like myself just can't seem to get away from foam because it's just so quick, easy, and fun. Well, Brian, thank you so much for doing that history segment in as always you know when we do these history segments like you say there's we, we only but wet the whistle uh as it were when we're talking about these things because even even obscure aircraft there's so much to learn but especially like a primary workhorse that this is there's there's going to be so much information so many missions they flew so many things they did that all we really can do with these history segments is just pique somebody's interest. Um, mm-hmm. Give them a little information about it, let them know what that what that plane was, and somebody is going to go, wow, that sounds fascinating. I want to learn more. And then, you know, you go off and, you know, do your own research, and, you know, this becomes somebody's favorite airplane. Mm-hmm. So. And I know people do it. it. The Phantom is a just an iconic iconic fighter and uh and i anybody who's going down that rabbit hole i recommend going back and looking at some what video is available of the thunderbirds and the blue angels uh flying them it's some really really great looking stuff yeah it had a service a really long service history yes. um i'm still kind of amazed uh, everyone's like oh it was flying up until like not too long ago like <laughs> and it's like that ago. shouldn't be that was Japan- Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, two years ago, Japan uh, Japan didn't retire theirs until two years ago. Holy crap. Wow. And yep. it's 50 plus 
70 years of service almost 60 yeah. years definitely yeah. that's almost b52 territory yeah, yeah let's let's take a minute to think about the 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 lifespan of these things for a moment you know how long they're in service how long they're used and some of it is you know they're damaged they're replaced you know new ones get made but there's there's ones that get used for decades i mean the s16 now has been in in service for a long time but especially f4 how long they're in service like the the quality of build that went into them the quality of engineering the the maintenance schedules that are on these things you know and they're you get into one and it's still decent technology but you know are almost archaic for a modern uh thing but but they were they were state-of-the-art at the time and how long they've lasted compared to a modern vehicle that we put her around in and we get you know 10 15 good years out of you know some people get 20 years out of a vehicle um and i know there's vehicles that are older than that i've got a 73 super beetle but it's not on the road every day you know that thing hasn't run in a decade so yeah and an aircraft like this um they see upgrades uh over their service life they they constantly get because they get they they end up being so vital to uh to their to the roles that they get into and if there isn't a replacement in the in the wings no pun intended um <laughs> they uh actually was pun intended uh, if, well done sir if there's no if there's uh if there is no replacement um it just has you know it has to keep working so they will they'll put new wing sets on them they'll you know they'll go back and refabricate them and it's and it's these iconic aircraft it's the it's the phantom it's the uh, b52 uh the f16 uh, the A-10 Warthog, uh, these are all just, and the F-15 Eagle, these are iconic aircraft that uh, are so good at their roles that they just keep soldiering on for decades beyond what other aircraft would have would have been able to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the A-10 Warthog being a prime example. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, yeah nothing, nothing else can do what the Warthog does. At least no. not the way it does it. No, the that's a different show. Yeah. <laughs> you already did that one, didn't you? We did. We, we did, did cover that. Yeah, I remember that. Look, there's but there's so there's so many planes to cover. We haven't even scratched the surface. It's so ridiculous. Um, so in that vein, if you are interested in putting together uh, some sort of history and you want to send it to us to review and and reach out to you, um, you can reach send it out to the Aviation RC Noob. Uh, if, wait, it. I should know what this is. Hold on. I, I knew what it was. AviationRCNoob at gmail.com. There you go. Um, yeah, give us, uh, even if it's just a synopsis, and uh, we'll talk to you a little bit about it further. Or if you have a whole thing and you'd like to um, help us out with our history segments so that we get more of these in here, um, we'd love your help. We'd love to reach out to you in our community um, and see what you guys can come up with. Brian, you did an amazing job. I appreciate it so mm-hmm. much. I appreciate that. And one of these days, we'll, we at one time had an updated list of the planes we've covered. We need to update that so we can post it and say, here's what we've already done. <laughs> right. So, uh, 
It's a lot of fun. I encourage I encourage others to do it. And if you guys will have me, I'll definitely come back and talk about planes I like even more than the Phantom. Yeah, definitely. We we would absolutely enjoy that. You did a great job. I I know where our next subject subject is uh, Flight Fest. Are you going to Flight Fest? I am. Uh, last year, I brought the family out for one day. It's about a four hour drive from where we're at, so we just could kind of pull it into a one day thing. Yeah, and start uh, early. We had an, yeah, we had an absolute blast. Um, just so much fun. So this year we're uh, we're gonna borrow an RV and we're gonna come down for for the whole thing. Uh, and I've volunteered as well to to help out where I can. And uh, I think we're gonna okay. I think we're gonna have a good time. I, I'm sure you will. Uh, that's awesome. So I can't wait to see you in person when we get there. Um, so well, let me extend, that, yeah, let me extend a an invitation to Brian and piggybacking off of that to everybody who comes to Flight Fest. Uh, we'll be in the campsites. Feel free to swing by and see us anytime. Um, yep. You know, come come by and hang with us in an evening, and we'll talk more planes and more history. But you know, we'd love to have you, Brian, swing by the the campsite and say hey. And if if you can't, or if you're at least um, put in where we have a, a flight fest segment, put in where you're at. If you're a listener and you'd like to kind of you know see what's going on, I mean, I, I we're gonna post where we're at. We hope you all stop. Um, we're gonna we're trying to get some flags set out so that we can at least make it easy to find us. We're probably gonna be near the tree in the back on the left side. That's where we've always seemed to end up. Uh, year after year. So we'll probably be somewhere near there as well mm -hmm. this year. So um, I know if you're in an RV, you can be way the heck down on the other other side of the whole deal. Um, but I, I hope we get to meet up with every one of you who, who comes out to Flight Fest. Mm. Listen, so. And Brian, definitely let us know where you're at. We'll make sure we, uh, if you can't come up to us, we'll try to get ourselves out to see you. For sure. Family. Absolutely. Good. So transitioning to going to Flight Fest, um, I want to pre preface, preface this, I always say preface, but it's preface. I want to preface this with uh, restating, I think, what I said after last year's Flight Fest, which is what I had learned and taken away from it, which is show up to Flight Fest with kind of with a plan, be prepared for what it is you want to do. So, you know, last year for Flight Fest, I showed up and I was like, oh, I want to fly my, you know, Spitfire. I spent so much of Flight Fest finishing my Spitfire and, you know, not doing a lot of flying because there were things that I needed to do that weren't done. I didn't go prepared for that. Now, some people can just knock out a build in no time and get a plane up in the air. I'm not one of them. So, yeah, Matt's pointing to himself. He can he can knock out a build short of the electronics those will take him three weeks um, although today it took me <laughs> about 20 minutes there you go um but what i learned after last flight fest was you know for me what i needed to do was know what it was i wanted to do at flight fest and basically show up to flight fest ready to do that if i want to spend the majority of the time flying or if i want to fly a lot i need to show up with planes built and ready to go, maybe short doing some configuration in the transmitter, what you can do sitting around the campsite. But if I want to fly, I don't need to show up needing to build a plane to fly. I need to have 
two ready to go because you want to crash one. Um, so I'm hoping to have you know at least two, maybe three, ready to go for Flight Fest. Uh, minus you know that's not including a giant wonder, which I hope uh, is entirely on Matthew to do. But I hope we get two of those made. So thank you for that. We'll get two if I'm almost done with the one now, and I've I've been nothing but busy. Um, the next one should be much simpler. If you're wanting to build, well, just bring all your build materials, have an idea of what you want to build, or you know, grab some speed build kits. If it's socializing, great. If it, but whatever it is, have an idea. Um, especially if you've been before and you look back at the previous year, say, man, I wish I had done more of this, or yeah, I found myself tied up with too much with this and not able to do this other thing that I wanted to do. You know, show up prepared to do what it is you want to do. Um, that that was my takeaway, and that's what I'm aiming to do this year. So, let's talk about what we need to do to prep for Flight Fest. What we need to take. Uh, we always kind of, the, the important things at the top of the list are, we're going to be camping out there, so what do we need? Uh, what should you bring and be prepared for? Tent camping. Uh, Matt, fortunately, the first year that I took my tent had my little pup tent, uh, which I tried to put a massive mattress into, and he ended up inheriting that for the week. Um, mm -hmm. I'm glad that slept well for you. Yeah, I'm glad it fit well in my tent. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and uh, he gives me a hard time, but I brought a mansion last year because by <laughs> daggum, that thing was going to fit in my tent. <laughs> uh, but sometimes it rains. So go ahead and spray your uh, tent down with the... Uh, what is that stuff, Matt? Um, the, the sealant. Yeah, it's it's like a sealant water water repellent thing. You make sure you get one of a couple of the spray cans, and you make sure to spray it down. Also, get some seam sealer on the seams, because uh, that's another spot for water intrude. But once you've done that, you put a couple coats of both. Yeah, you that tent is good to go for probably about five to ten years before you need to redo that. Um, it the key being, it. if it does rain. Don't touch the side of your tent. A lot of people don't know that. Because once once you touch it and that water breaks through, you're not going to stop it. And you're just <laughs> going to have a lake in your tent. Okay, so, you know, prepare yourself for camping. Have something that you can either eat easily out of a thing or plan on going to um, go into town, although there's not much in town. Um, or you can go, uh, let's see. You can go. There's a bunch of vendors, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think we did it, a bunch of that If they come out that day, yeah. And we, sadly, when it gets when it gets rainy, they're like, "Well, I'm not coming out." And you're like, "Oh, shoot! I need to um, I need to eat. <laughs> what am I going to do now?" Mm-hmm. And I, I would recommend I would recommend checking definitely checking your camping equipment and cooking equipment. If anything you're going to be using there, check it before you leave. Mm -hmm. Check it before you had big before you leave home. Run Make it sure once, see is, what you're missing. You it. Exactly, because yeah. <laughs> it, it will. If you don't, it never fails. You'll you'll open the tent and one of the poles is missing, or you'll open the tent and there's a tear that you don't have the repair kit to fix. Um, you know, you'll have a a busted pipe on your uh, uh, propane stove or you know whatever whatever it is. It's it's. And Murphy's Law says you'll have something <laughs> if you haven't checked it. <laughs> if you haven't checked it, it'll be a problem. If you check it, there'll be no problems. It's fine. It's totally fine. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. 
Um, and if you're planning to cook, so Matt and I have kind of talked about a little bit. We got to do some more talking about what we want to do for food over the course of that. Cause I don't want to, I don't want to have the expense of the vendor, uh, trucks all weekend or all week, but we're definitely going to end up hitting them a couple times. Uh, and they're decent food. I just don't want to, you know, pay out of pocket for every meal. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we, you have to plan around the limitations of what you're walking into. Uh, the can't, the tent sites do not have electricity. So if you have a generator you want to bring, cool. There's also not a ready access to a lot of water. So they've got hand washing stations when you go to the bathroom, but that's about it. They, they got some shower trucks that they roll out there, but you're not going to be washing dishes in the shower truck. So be aware that you're not really going to have a lot of water to wash dishes and to do things. So you'll plan around that. Uh, Unless you know a guy out. with a camper or something. I'm just kidding. No. Um, yeah, you're right. Absolutely plan, plan on that. Make sure hey, that Brian. you have. <laughs> hey, guess what? We got all our dishes. Do you guys have water? Yeah, no. Um, no, that's not that's not the way to do it. You, well, even need... the campers don't have uh, water or no. sewage hookups. Yeah, there's no hookups. Hopefully they ran in with enough. <laughs> or can go out and, and kind of switch it out. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't know how all that works. I haven't owned a camper, so. And, and for the campers, a, a public service announcement, and this is for everybody's benefit, uh, and not uh, poo-pooing on uh, RV users or just vehicle drivers in general, because it wasn't just the RVs that got stuck. Well, there was mm -hmm. a vehicle or two that got stuck in the past. Uh, when it rains, pay attention to what the uh, red shirts and the orange shirts are saying. And if they say, don't get in your vehicle and move, don't move your vehicle. The The area can get very muddy very quickly, and that is some very slick mud. Uh, I've seen a, I've seen a four-wheel drive get stuck out there. It it wasn't really in – it was four-wheel drive, but it didn't have the right tires for it. Um, and it's not terribly deep mud, but as vehicles get going, it just churns it up. We saw an RV get completely stuck out there, and that just jammed it up for everybody. So um, – Pay attention. If it's raining, probably an idea not to move the vehicles, especially if the shirts start saying, hey, you know, please wait until the field can dry off. It's also worth remembering this is somebody's private property and their private mm -hmm. airstrip. You know, it's a courtesy. They let us go out there. And when we start, you know, tearing it up because we want to get out of there, we, you know, mess up the roads. Like we're tearing up somebody's property. Yep. And it's it's got to come out of the flight test budget and the festival budget to fix it mm -hmm. yep. so uh with that preface and service announcements out of the way um what are we bringing matt um i have a tradition of bringing everything in the kitchen sink and um i have the first year i brought way too much and then the next year i brought way too much and my kids so it was even more too much <laughs> and then I scaled back a little bit. And although I also brought the SR-72 and a couple other, like, what, what am I bringing? This, this is ridiculous. Um, and we also and had a, a wild Jesse in the back seat. Yeah, we had a wild Jesse. It was fantastic. Good times. <laughs> um, we also, but as I go and I'm like, you know, I don't know how much more I want to bring than a, 
a bunch of new blunders and the giant new blunder. And if I end up deciding to build out the mana ray that I'd been rolling around in my head, I would really love to have an underwater air show, as it hmm. were, where you have like jellyfish fish planes, um, turtle planes, manta ray planes. Uh, there's a, a shark, baby sharks and mama sharks get a little bit bigger. Um, I didn't get mine to fly, so I'm really disappointed because I was hoping to have that and then make a bunch of them and say, here, don't fly it. Um, <laughs> and I thought that that would be a lot of fun to have a combat, like an underwater air combat. Um, I don't know. But maybe that's Flight Fest next year, uh, if we can pull that off. Sharks and dolphins in combat. That's it. That's what I'm talking about. The sharks, dolphins, jellyfish, turtles, manta rays, all the good things. It'll be a good time. Take a nutball and make it into a turtle. That's what I'm talking about. Uh, no, the, the one guy built a turtle. Did he? Yeah, he I built a flying turtle. Yeah, yeah I think I remember that. Yeah, it was, it was a pink. I think he bought the pink foam board. Like was, there's come some that are like this black foam board and there's a white foam board. There's another variety that had pink. And I think he just, that's all I could get. So he, he bought a bunch of that and he made a turtle out of it. And it flew great. Um, real slow, kind of turtled around the sky. It was actually really cool looking. It was just part of what inspired me. I, actually, he reached out to me. Not too long ago, I think we, we, we caught him at the very end of Last Flight Fest. And I'm going to blank on his name because I'm awful at, you know, preparing that kind of stuff. But he reached out and I said, are you going to bring the turtle? He says, yeah, I'm going to build another one. If I don't bring it, I'm going to build another one. Um, and he, I said, have you thought about making any plans? And he says, that's what I really need to do because it, it is a lot of fun and I've had a lot of requests. And I said, well, if you need help, let me know. You know, take take a bunch of pictures, and I'm sure I could help you put together a plan set that other people can go take and build with. Um, so if you're listening, um, reach out again and uh, see what we can put together. Uh, hopefully I can do it with enough time for you to have avid builders bring their plans to Flight Fest and put them together there. That would be kind of fun. But, um, yeah, I don't know. just seemed like a fun theme. Mm-hmm. A fun adventure and what what is possible well my hope and we've kind of talked about it a bit in the last episode at this point my hope is uh two noob wonders my spitfire and the flurkin if i get it built in time mm -hmm. and then the giant wonder oh i want to bring my leprechaun or the one i call the clerican Oof, that's a big one I, I don't know if I'll have time to fix it up, though. It did crash really hard. Like, it went straight down. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't know if I'll have time to rebuild it, but uh, I hope I might. Although, I don't know that we'd have enough room in the vehicle. <laughs> That's a big plane. That's a big plane. It's as big as the Noob Wonders. Yeah, it's, it's healthy-sized. And but it of looks course good. You, yeah. Yeah, so you bring the batteries, you bring battery chargers. Um, you need the field box tools at the minimum. Um, if you're hoping to build while you're there, you need to bring at least the battery and power system for whatever you're hoping to build. Maybe a plan set if you've already got it printed. Um, that way you can kind of just get working when you get there. Um, X-Acto knife, all the tools we kind of talked about last time actually um, are all on the, the list of must-brings. Bring the box. Um, we're going to bring stickers. 
um, yes. mugs. And oh yeah, and we have another couple things that we're thinking about. If you're in our community, um, Brian, you were talking to Lee from Windcatcher RC, mm-hmm. and I think we were all you guys were talking about basically seeing if we can't possibly see if there's enough interest to. They have a gladiator wing. It's an EPP foam combat wing, right? It's yes. and it's hot hot cut out of EPP, so it's a true airfoil. It's quick, simple, easy to build. Um, and he's he's willing to give a pretty good discount if we get enough people kind of willing to buy it. My thought is is if we if it's all the people who are going to Flight Fest want to order one of these, he can send a whole package to either you or me, and we bring it to Flight Fest and we just you know make sure we hook up. We pick a time and a date, yeah. and we and we just make sure everybody gets their wings. As I understand it, it goes together stupid fast, um, and it's a fun wing to fly. And again, it's great for uh, maybe not a beginner, but if you've flown once or twice and had success, you can probably fly this thing because EPP is incredibly forgiving. Yeah, it's a great second or third plane. Um, uh, my local club, we use them. We we fly them in combat all the time, and. St- stick everybody else's planes into the ground uh on a regular basis and just they don't you, you there's just pick them up. there's no damage it's <laughs> yeah incredibly resilient you just pick mm-hmm. them up and throw them back up in the air um so very very forgiving um they uh they the the build is is not bad at all i mean just you you do some slicing and you glue in some uh some carbon reinforcements that come with the kit um mm-hmm. you glue in the the motor mount um probably the only thing that takes a little bit a little bit of extra work is um uh the reinforcement for the ailerons um or the elevons uh, mm-hmm. is uh, leads lee suggests the uh the goop method where you use a little bit of the the, the goop or e6000 glue um, right and um and use that as the reinforcement so a lot like the hot glue hinges on flight test designs right. um but it works a little better with epp with that kind of glue um yeah they're... and then uh, and then and then covering it uh putting putting some some film over the top but you can do that with uh, the the packing tape if you really wanted to uh, yeah. for for a quick build yeah packing tape or doculam yeah yeah and i think i i think like the kits are I think Lee's talking about like 40 bucks for the kits was like 20, 20% off and they're yeah. not that expensive to start with. Um, so I think it's about 40 bucks and, and, uh, I think he, he's, um, he's even, um, willing to put together like a power pack kit, um, to go with them if anybody wants that too. Yeah. Um, yeah, definitely. And then by, by grouping it together, we'd save on any kind of shipping and then that we just yeah. basically bring it in for, to distribute to people yeah and it's all directly at him so we don't have to worry about any of it ourselves exactly exactly and i would um any of any ones that any of them that were going to flight fast i would um pick them up from him and Mm -hmm. uh uh and and take them i'll have a ton of extra space in the rv so uh, it's not like they're heavy so um and the other thing is um we're talking we're thinking about joe and i are thinking about um reach out to us in the general chat channel or um, the flight test channel that we have on our Discord forum, or send us an email if you're interested. Um, but uh, I was talking about the, I was thinking about talking to the Hangar RC and ordering a number of kits and having them so that we can bring the the um, the speed build kits of the uh, the new, new wonder and have them available for purchase directly there. That way, if you see ours fly and you really like it and you want to give it a shot, they go together so quick. I mean, it's I think mine took two and a half hours, but I was talking too much. 
in, in the middle of all of it as I'm trying to build it. It, it takes about two hours to put together at, at total. And mm. it's really simple. Um, so yeah, I, I was thinking about doing that. And that way we can have some some options. Again, if you really like it, that way you don't have to worry about getting plants or anything. Yes, they're free. Yes, they're there. Um, but when you're at Flight Fest, that's almost an impossibility. So having a pre-cut kit um, would probably be pretty helpful for some. So um, I do want to say two things on what we've been talking about. One, uh, we've not said it yet, but it's now appropriate. Highly. Uh, Lee is in here in a, in the recording Hi, channel, uh, just Hi. muted up, uh, but he popped in and has been listening. Uh, but he says that the DocuLamp comes with the kit. Oh, even better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, it does. Um, cool. You didn't so, say that. Jeez, Brian. <laughs> I'm kidding. Go ahead. <laughs> um, and then uh, there was something, something I was going to say with the... The Noob Wonder, I thought. The Noob Wonder Kits? Oh, boy. I don't remember. All right. I'm sure it'll come back to you. Yep, it might. But, okay. um, yeah. And on that on that tangent for a second, we yeah. do leave the podcast recording channel open um, for people to join just without permission so they can't turn on the webcams or speak, but they can listen, so... Um, Lee popped in, so Lee, glad you were able to to pop in and hang with us, and you know, give us some helpful information in the side chat. Thank you very much. Awesome. Um, also, uh, let's talk about: Are we going to be a lot of what we talk about is is being part of the event and volunteering because it is one way to really kind of engage with the rest of the community in mm -hmm. different fashions, whatever you kind of like. I know Joe, you've kind of been um, the uh, was it the parking lot chauffeur um, amongst other things you've been running the, the carts around um, being yeah. part of that crew i never um, mind doing that it sounds like it looks like a lot of fun it also looks like it could be somewhat tiring after a bit but um but you get to meet everybody you're some of the first faces that everybody sees when they get there yeah um, i mean i was telling you last year that there was a, a dad son combo that i ran back and forth a couple times because they bring a plane in from the car and wreck it and then be heading back out to their vehicle to put that one away and grab another <laughs> and i'd catch them on the way out and drive them out and go ahead sure that wasn't me joe it might have been i don't know do you remember <laughs> seeing me on a golf cart laughing <laughs> I, it could have been it could have been i didn't i didn't really know anybody uh last year when we showed up well did yeah. you catch did you catch multiple uh golf cart rides in and out as y'all crashing planes we did. We uh, I only crashed one plane though. Uh, well, two if you count the the uh, Gladiator wing in combat. I crashed that one quite a few times in combat, uh, <laughs> but there was no no damage. Well, then okay. you you might have ridden with me. It's you might have ridden with me. Um, <laughs> yeah. So mostly it's just been the the golf carts at this point that I've been uh, dealing with, but I've had a good time. I don't. I know we've got a little bit of other plans this year. I don't know if the Bloody Wonder build uh, counts as part of the volunteer schedule. No, that's, I mean, that's separate. That's why, okay. that's why I kind of listed separate. But those are one of, that's another event that you and I are definitely going to be part of. Um, we're going to be helping Dan with his Bloody Wonder build tent. Um, so he's going to have, I think, at least one time, if not a couple times. <clears throat> but they're going to have some... 
you know, basically the built-in open. And if you want to try and build the Bloody Wonder, which I suggest and recommend, as that was one of the first planes that I really just went, wow, this thing flies great. Oh, gosh. <laughs> I, I don't think I can handle this. Um, but it's a great, easy build. Um, it, it has a big flight window, like much like the new Wonder. And it's dead stupid simple uh, to build. It really goes together even faster. So um, how's how's that working? If somebody wants to build that or partake in that build, is there kits that are being sold that they can uh, grab to work on so, or what's happening? So what Flight Test does is they have donated all the foam and all the laser cut kits. So basically they have kits there. You just have to sign up for the event. There's wow. basically there's a sign-up sheet, and then you show up that day. And then what we're going to do is help people make sure that they're having success with their build. Well, that's awfully so, nice of Flight Fest. Yeah, it's, it's a, yeah, and they've also put it on their schedule and all that kind of stuff. Let me see. I'm looking at the schedule now. Um, oh, where is it? Where is it? Uh, you can keep going, and I'll find it. Um, <laughs> so while you look, were, while you look that up. Um, I think this build and the volunteering um, is it goes along with something that um, that Josh Bixler and, and a bunch of the other guys Lee and and, uh, and and David they 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 repeat it over and over in stuff that they're in that it, that the one of the major purposes of this whole thing if not the most important is bringing people people together. Mm -hmm. um, it's it's a this whole the whole hobby is a vehicle for bringing people together, and and this build the volunteering, all these other activities, all the stuff that's going on. It's, um, it, it's a great way to connect with people, connect with new people. Um, and I'm, I haven't volunteered there in the past. I've seen how, how it works though. Um, and I will be volunteering this year or I am, nice. I have already volunteered for this year. Um, I think it's, a, it's, it's a critical thing for, for keeping the hobby alive, keeping it growing, especially in light of all the the uh, FAA shenanigans going on as well. Mm-hmm. And you yeah. get a T-shirt to boot. Uh, I think I think it's the Total people bonus. who are volunteering um, that we've already set out. Yeah, it's so. As it, in, if we, you're if you're going to build one, you don't get a T-shirt with it. Is what I'm getting at. Oh, I meant volunteering. Sure. Oh, yeah. If you volunteer at yeah, the event, you get a free T-shirt. Yeah, you, you get the volunteer T-shirt. Um, and and I, we said it after last year's Flight Fest, but leading into this one, you know, volunteering is entirely optional. A lot of people, you know, there's nothing wrong with wanting to go out there for the week for the week and just have a great time. But if you got the time, volunteer because you feel mm -hmm. great doing it. You're contributing. You're helping uh, the red shirts that organize this, you know, the, having having a small army of volunteers under them allows them to to sit at the, the top level and see what's happening and work on everything without having to be down in it and you know pulling you know quadruple duty. I mean, I've these red shirts bust it all week. But doing the volunteer, it's giving back to the community that has given so much to you and to us. So, you know, if you got the time, volunteer and you're not going to hate it. You know, you, you, when you sign up, you say, here's things I'm interested in. They're going to put you as best they can where you want to be. And, you know, they've not put me anywhere I didn't want to be. 
Um, yeah. And, I, and I've always had a good time doing it. So mm-hmm. give back, you know, help this thing happen and have a good time doing it. Um, I found the the times for the Bloody Baron builds. They okay. are Thursday and Friday, so June twenty second and twenty third. They are from ten to twelve p.m. both days. Ten a.m. to twelve p.m. Ten a.m. to twelve p.m. and and so what we're gonna do is uh, I'm reaching out now to Flight Fest, um, the the group there, and see if we can't find a time slot for the Wonder Jumble and have basically a, a fun fly or fly in time where everybody jink- brings their the wonders that they've built. Um, hopefully all their new wonders and then really any wonders welcome. And we just kind of have everybody fly. Mm-hmm. And hopefully it'll be before maybe the first combat of the day, or maybe after the first combat, the one that we don't put the new wonders in right away in case they crash that we have like one nice, easy flight with them. And then, you know, <laughs> combats, it'll be a target at that point as it should be. That's kind of why we're building it. Yeah. Let's go out there and, uh, and have a wing that, you know, uh, is it Alex that calls the uh, the combats? What's his name? Uh, no, it's not Alex. It's um, shoot. Why am I blank on his name now? What was that Stefan called it? Yes, yeah, Stefan called a, at least a couple of them while, while when I was there he, last year. He does. He does it most of the time. Uh, I think he's got a helper too who jumps in sometimes. But when it comes to the combats, he's usually the one who's who's uh, emceeing that whole thing. Um, let's say the combat started at like 11 a.m. So my thought is if we can pull off like, a, uh, let's see, sometime before 2 o'clock, that's the next combat. So if we did uh, maybe 1230 to 1 on both days, that would be pretty spectacular. So I'm mm-hmm. going to su- suggest that time as a slot that we just basically, if, yeah, if you have a noob wonder or um, a foam wonder, bring it out and fly it with us. Well, here's hoping that uh, we get enough of them out there that they become announced targets. You know, oh, take, I'm sure they will. Take those guys out. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Ones will for sure if they go if you put them up for combat. Yeah, we we got to have them. That's the thing is we and that's I think that's a big difference between last year and this year. I want to arrive with planes ready to go. I don't want to arrive with parts and hope I can get them done in time to enjoy them at Flight Fest. Nope. We're coming with planes ready to go that have all the parts and pieces. We might have, I think we both agree that we might have one plane that will sort of finish up there. Um, but I think that'll be about it. Yeah. And we, you gotta, you gotta do both. Yeah. A little bit of both. I enjoy building there. Building building is part of it. Yeah. I enjoy sitting at the table and you know, walking around and seeing what other people are building because there's some really innovative ideas, even if it's just like, wait, what? how did you do that right there? And they're like, oh, well, I use this piece here, and I use a, a little bit of blender and a bunch of this and some shoe goop. And, <laughs> and all of a sudden, they've they've got something. That you're like, that's I've been wondering how I was going to do that on my build. This is a great idea. Let me let me take some pictures and see what we can pull together. Because this is what I'm working on. They look at it and like, holy cow, we need, where is it? You know. So, yeah, it's pretty cool. It's, it's a really... The built tents are a great place to get ideas. Yeah. And and there are two giant circus tents that are the built tents, yeah. uh, at least, and they're on the left and right sides. We're typically, if you're looking at the flight field, we're typically on the right one. That's just because that's near where we set up um, mm-hmm. our tents. So uh, if you're going to look for us, look for us there. We'll try to be in our new uh, uh, Aviation RC new podcast shirts. They're blue, and they have our little logo on the one corner. 
Um, and we may come up with some other shirts to bring with us too. We're running out of time because it's a little over a month. If but, we get the idea this week, I could, we the places that put shirts together, oftentimes if it's simple enough, they will put it in and out in uh, less than a couple weeks. Mm-hmm. I just need well, to. We need to know what we need to do. That's all. We'll speaking of running out of time. Oh, darn it! Yeah. Uh, I know you and I can go all night, um, and I had an afternoon nap, but uh, I think we all have work in the morning. This is probably later than Brian's used to being up. Sorry, Brian. Maybe not. Oh, well, then let's keep talking for four hours. (laughs) (laughs) I would, too. That's a problem. Uh, I I was hoping we could touch touch on the, um, the power situation uh at at fly fest just uh, a lot of people might not know um you know what's what's available for building you know you got to plug in a you know you need power for a hot glue gun or or for charging batteries etc and uh and i'm i certainly barely know what's going on in that regard so if one of you guys could okay sure so So go ahead you joe all right i got it i got it uh so they will have generator trucks out there that you will hear running all day and all night. Um, Up until about one. Do they shut them off? They shut them off. It finally quiets down at about like one o'clock or midnight. Okay. So, so they'll, they'll have the generator trucks out there. So you've got power in the tents um, to, to do whatever you need. To, yeah. In the build tents to do what you need to do. Um the, and they run, so they run heavy-duty extension cables, and they, they put little drops under the tables. Um, I think a lot of times they run, a, like, a six-bar or something up to the top. Um, it may not be a bad idea to bring your own power bar if you have multiple things you're planning to plug up. Like, if you're planning to run a hot glue gun and your battery charger and, oh, I need to charge my phone and I need to get my uh, phone uh, backup battery pack going to charge my phone overnight kind of thing. You know, it may be worth bringing your own, uh, your own power bar. So there'll be power, uh, in the build tents. Just you're all kind of sharing the, uh, the plugs. If you do bring your own six bar, if you're worried about keeping it, uh, write your name on it. Cause it's very easy for those to like, Oh, where did my power bar go? It's gone. And nobody does not intentionally, but those things get picked up. That's a good point. So yeah. bring a marker that you can write your name on it if you don't do it before you leave. And that you're writing your name on. What's that? Don't now? write don't write your don't write your name on somebody else's power bar. <laughs> oh, that's a kind thing to do. But again, it's a lot of it is on the honor system for the most part. It's kind of like we're all of the same community. We're all here to have a good time. Uh, stealing other people's stuff isn't fun for anybody except the, I guess, maybe the person stealing it. I, I don't even know. But uh, really, that's not the purpose of that. It's like you said, Lee, it's the the purpose is to bring people together and create a, a larger, better community. Mm-hmm. And the the other side of that is, if you find that you forgot something, there's something you need, a tool you didn't grab, a tool, you ran out of hot, whatever, lean over to the table beside you and ask. Because somebody's going to say, yeah, 
absolutely here take it you know do <laughs> what you need to do i want to see that fly i want to see what you're working on get in the air what what do you need <laughs> yeah i mean last year tench was handing me a couple props um yeah i think i had to borrow a pair of pliers for somebody one time i've lent out my glue gun because somebody had the the dinky little craft glue gun oh. and they were trying to do a big run it's you know don't use that here you know just keep your hand away from the tip because it's blistering the hot glue comes out boiling uh hey, what do we say joe hot, hot, hot. is hot hot glue's hot <laughs> um so yeah if, if you forget anything just lean over and ask the guy beside you um you know it, it's help too. yeah if you need an extra set of hands or just need an opinion yeah or you yes. don't know how you're like how does this thing set up why is this doing this you'd be surprised there's a lot of people who know more than they look like they know i guess and they'll they're like hey let me help you out or they'll say hey who who knows this <laughs> and they'll shout it out and there'll be somebody like oh yeah i got one of those let me show you how there's mm -hmm. always somebody that knows more yeah there's always cool. somebody that knows more and and there's wi-fi there so you can watch and the point of that is that all their videos are online on the youtube so they recognize if you're building one of their planes and you want to follow the build video, you kind of need Wi-Fi. So you're going to have Wi-Fi there. So that's something to consider as well if you kind of, you know, weren't aware. Uh, they have a store there so that it is basically like uh, there's usually a vendor or two that is essentially the local uh, hobby store brings essentially their hobby store down, like a portable hobby store. And then, of course, they have their own tent. So you, there's ways to get hobby supplies there um the flight test store in the center of all of it is well stocked yeah with all the flight well test stuff mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so yeah. yeah i'm trying to think what else you might want to know uh, also reach out to all the people you know on the forums and in your communities that you think might be going to flight fest and tell them i'm going to flight fest too i'd love to meet up with you i haven't seen you in person or whatever like let's let's find a time or something like you know just Kind of make a make an effort. Um, you'd be surprised how easy it is. I remember the first year I went. There's a guy. Um, his name is Bill. He had a green goatee and a green kind of mohawk, and that was his. That was kind of his thing. Was all you saw in his uh, the little avatar was just his his goatee, the green goatee. And so here I am working at the built house. I don't know anybody just like you, Brian, the other year, and I'm like, oh, I'm like, wait, I know you. You're Bill. Because here's the only guy with a green goatee. And he's like, who who are you? I'm like, I'm Foamy DM. And he's like, oh, Foamy, I know you. Cool. What what do you got over there? And so we started talking and we, you know, kind of hit it off really good. And I, he and I have been uh, friends, kind of, I'll call it remote friends for a long time um, since that point. You know, it was really cool to meet up with the people that you've interacted with in the forums uh, or here in, you know, in our Discord you know, I can't wait to meet half of the guys who've told me that they're coming and I, I haven't been able to really chat with. So I'm excited. Um, if you're in our forums, let us know you're coming. Uh, I'm, I'm eager to see everybody. All right. Um, Brian, did you have any other questions about anything we've talked about, Flight Fest in general? Um, anything last second? Got some ideas how to squeeze you know, 40 airplanes into, into the, uh, into the RV. Uh, I'm, uh, oh, cause I'm going to be in, uh, Matt's, Matt's boat, uh, uh, bringing, <laughs> bringing way too much and, and my kids. So, yeah, 
yeah. Um, bring the planes you, you know, the friends you love and the planes you don't is the motto. And it's right. Like, don't be, whatever you bring, just expect you will crash and lose in some form or another. And it's okay. If you say, don't like your kids, leave them behind and you can bring no, a couple more. No, <laughs> no, Joe. No, Joe. My kids are all right. Uh, I, I will say that's one of the reasons why I love the foam board airplanes uh, is because I don't want to be too precious about them because mm-hmm. half the fun is stretching your limits with them and knowing that if I stuff this thing into the ground, that I'm most likely out four bucks worth of foam and I can cut it all up and do it again. I'll be bringing my, I have a sea duck. Um, I'll be bringing that because. Wait, what um, is it called? I know. It's my favorite. It's my favorite name for a plane ever. You're going you're gonna to make me tell the story too. I, I have think. to, I have to hear. Uh, I want it to be it shit. Is. It's amazing. So, so it, okay. So I built a sea duck and I was talking with my 11 year old son about what, what, what should we paint it like? Uh, it's, it's a little rough. It was one of the first ones I made. Um, the foam was a little rippled and stuff like that. And I said, well, we should build a nicer one if we're going to paint it like the one from the cartoon. And, uh, he's like, yeah, you're, you're, you're probably right, dad. Uh, and then, he, and then he said, maybe we should call it sea duck a l'orange and paint it orange. It's <laughs> a pretty good idea. The, the yeah. kid had been watching old Iron Chef America episodes and somebody had made duck a l'orange and he thought it was the funniest thing. So he, he, he came up with that suggestion. So we took the sea duck, we sprayed it orange, put some blue, uh, blue highlights on it. And, uh, I, with my vinyl cutter, I cut out little decals that say sea duck a l'orange on it. It's on there nice. in a couple of spots and it's, uh, it's, it's pretty fun. We use it at our local field to drop little paratrooper guys. And my, my seven year old in particular loves to run around the field, catching, catching 11 paratroopers, you know, fall, falling all over the, <laughs> all over the field. So. Yeah. When you um, do that, you we'll, have to we'll, count them before you put it in. So, you know, you have them all when you get out. Yeah. Well, we have, we have lost them and then found them stuck to the, uh, the, the board on the field later. Somebody found it when they were looking, <laughs> hunt, hunting, found them when hunting for a, uh, a lost aircraft. That's so, funny. Uh, but so we'll, we'll be bringing, I'll be bringing that one for sure. Uh, cause it's, it's a lot of fun. And you know what, if I, if I stick it into the ground again, I've crashed it a few times and repaired it. But, uh, if I stick it into the ground and it's done, Hey, so be it. We can cut some foam and we'll make another one. And maybe this, maybe we'll paint it orange again. Maybe we won't. Maybe it'll be green next time. I don't know. Yeah. So. The mean green machine. <laughs> that's Spit, you know. I have what? a Spitfire. I have a Master Series Spitfire that's going to be green. I'm gonna I'm gonna do it like a British racing, uh, like nice. a, a classic British Lotus race car uh, with the, yeah. the the racing green with the the yellow highlights. So Perfect. I think that'll be fun. Awesome. Very nice. Well, I I think we've reached our time limit, maybe even our welcome. I hope not. Um, <laughs> uh, I'm going to let you uh, roll this out. You've done this so many times, Joe. I think you don't even have to think about it. But, I do uh, still. At some point, I lost my roll. And so now every time <laughs> I have to go down a mental checklist. Okay. I think it's when you and I started bantering about who was going to do it. And suddenly yeah. I, I lost it. and. Well, if you want me to try it, I can. But maybe Lee, you can do it, right? How many times do you listen? (laughs) Don't don't answer that. I'd I'd have to unmute him first. (laughs) Uh, Okay. 
Um, let's see. So if you want to reach out to either of us, you can reach out to both of us at aviationrcnoob at gmail.com. You can reach out at, to Joe at joe at aviationrcnoob.com. You can reach out to me, Matthew, at aviationrcnoob.com. Um, we want to thank our patrons for helping us out every uh, every week and paying the bills. Uh, it's a big, big help, um, and we appreciate the support. If you want to join them, you can go to Patreon at av and slash Aviation RC Noob um, to join them and join helping us. If you like what we do and you find it valuable, um, if not, you can join our Discord. We'll have a link in the bottom of the show notes. Um, join our community. Uh, it's going to dump you into the general server. Go up to the rules. Give a little thumbs up to show us that you've read it, and then you'll have access to all the things. Um, there's all the topics. There are people who are here active every day trying to help uh, other noobs kind of get back in the air, talking shop, talking uh, projects. And every month we host a build night that Joe and I try to get to. Uh, at least one of us will be there. And I'm almost always building something ridiculous. Um, ask, And I'm always interested to see what you are doing. Pull us up to your build table. Talk to us. See what's going on. Um, I think... Uh, I think that's about it. So I want to say thank everybody for listening. And I am Matt. Have a great week and we'll talk to you next time. Joe. Nice job, Matt. I'm Joe. Brian, say bye. Thanks for having me, guys. It's been fun. Thanks for being here. Bye. Yeah, thanks for helping out. We'll see you guys next time. Ready to get into it? <clears throat> get all the frogs out of your throat. Yeah. <clears throat> all righty. Okay, let's see if we can... Uh, let's see if we can get into this. <clears throat> Not make fools of ourselves. Too late. Good evening, everybody, and welcome back to the Aviation RC New Podcast. My name is Joe. I'm Matt. And we have and with us special guest, Brian Phillips. Say guest for me again. Yes. Thank you. You're welcome. Okay. Yeah, I saw you talking, but it didn't go through. Yep. Um, gotcha. Which is fine. Um, fortunately, yeah, we, nobody we wants have... to listen to me anyway. <laughs> Round two. Matt, if you can do the uh, Grest mess up again, that'd be awesome. <clears throat> oh, yeah, of course. That'll be easy. <laughs> I'll just be myself. <laughs>